Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 326th edition of the Boxing Asylum Notes podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call so far this evening, we have Andy Patterson and Ozzy Smith, expecting a few of the other boys to jump on as and when. Also, a very special guest coming up around half past eight or so. If anybody saw me tweeting out earlier about Dr. Joseph Ajayo coming on the pod, then you'll uh, you'll know exactly what's going down. Old Joseph's going to come on and tell us about AJ Ruiz. Also, we'll get Ozzy's point of view. He, didn't, he wasn't able to make it last week, so we'll hear what he has to say on the big fight. The heavyweights roll on next week. Tyson Fury going in against Tom Schwartz, Schwartz, whatever you want to call him, as Frank Warren would say. Also, Josh Warrington, good domestic scrap on world level against Kid Galahad. Let's start off, though, Everybody this week with the Triple G promotions through the zone, Madison Square Garden in New York. I wasn't sure whether Tom Loeffler was still involved or not, but according to BoxRec, he is. He's still very much involved with Triple G promotions, so fair play to Tom. Uh, Abel Sanchez isn't. Jonathan Banks is now in the corner. How did that play out, Ozzy? Uh, Jonathan Banks, he didn't really have chance to impart too much information to Triple G in this four-rounder against Steve Rolls. That's what it turned out to be anyway. Um, I mean, can we really glean too much about it? It's going to be in the big fights, isn't it? The Alvarez, the Jacobs, if it happens, the Andrade, when we'll see if uh, Jonathan Banks is worth his salt. Yep, completely agree. Uh, thought last night was... A, br a brutal finish, a uh, hell of a finish. It was that chopping right hand that, you know, like he, um, that comes over the top. It's uh, quite a unique shot, actually, that started the downfall and then clinical as ever, um, Gennady Golovkin and Rolls was just in, in an absolute heap on the ground. thought prior to that, um, Golovkin was tagged quite a bit. No real damage caused, but he showed me for that. He's basically, he's, he's there to be hit. And Steve Rolls landed some pretty decent shots, uh, to be fair. he's He just didn't have the power to make any sort of dent in Golovkin. Uh, like we say, though, we, we can't really look too much into this sort of win. Uh, regardless of what Golovkin is there, he should be beating somebody like Steve Rolls. He did it in exactly the way we wanted him to. And that's that. And... All roads seemingly point to the third Canelo fight towards the back end of the year. Um, I'm not too sure whether he will get another fight in between that or he's just going to wait. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya seemingly said, essentially, go and win some sort of belt and fight a real fighter before uh, clambering for the Canelo fight. But we all know... Mm -hmm. Liam we all Smith. Know, well, Rocky yeah. Fielden. <laughs> Anybody, oh well, yeah, anyone line him up. Jamie Cox, perhaps. Jamie Cox, wheel him out again for his uh, annual beatdown for a payday. Um, but no, we, we all know money talks. And if this fight, this fight will generate an absolute fortune. And if it lines the pockets well of everybody involved, the fight will happen. Ozzy, you mentioned there about Steve Rolls. I thought he was quite quick of hand. He did catch Triple G with quite a few shots, particularly the jab. Um, I don't want to... A lot of people have been saying they think Triple G is on the slide. He's older, obviously. He's slower to the punch, and they, they see him slowing down. I don't know. I don't want to take that on board, and and because I did see that last night, but then I'm wondering, is it because I'm looking for it? Is it because it's this new narrative that we're all pushing? I did see Triple G looking a bit slower. He was standing inside a bit more. His head movement in the first round was pretty much non-existent. He came out and moved the head a lot more in the second round. He looked, he looked slower of hand, slower of foot. Was he trying new things? Am I, am I just imagining all this? No, you're right. Uh, and, it, and it's quite possible. And I think, look, he he's only getting older, isn't he? I think 
you, you forget he's had, what's he had now, 41 fights. The guy's 37 years old, so he's naturally going to slow down. And, I mean, I, I don't know, in terms of like the head movement, we've seen him caught before a number of times, you know, in fights, that he, he essentially is willing to take, his chin's unreal, so he's he kind of is willing to take one. But in terms of that, I, I think the Canelo fight only gets harder as the days go on. Last night wasn't a difficult fight for him in terms of, you know, there wasn't any real, you know, like miles on the clock. It wasn't a slug. But it's the camps that really do the damage. And obviously, as his body gets older, the camps will inevitably get harder. That saying, I actually thought he looked in pretty decent shape, uh, Golovkin. Uh, obviously, he didn't have to make the 160 limit, but that seemingly isn't going to be a problem. But... You can only read so much into it. Did he really have the respect for roles? Probably not. I think everybody knew what the outcome was going to be and the outcome was exactly what everybody thought. Did he go in 100%? Did he have one eye already on a, a fight further down the line? Probably. I wouldn't read too much into last night. I would like to see another fight in between and a, a serious step up in opponent from Steve Rolls. Otherwise... I just I don't see what another knockover job like this would do for him uh, going into a third Canelo boat. Okay, Ozzy, uh, Gabe's on the call with us. My second favourite contributor of the evening from Texas, no doubt. We'll come to you very shortly, Gabe. Shout out to everybody in the chat as well. They're all in there. Uh, Dave Allen, world level, says, as soon as any of you lot hammer Dave Allen, you're getting the dislike. Dave Allen, shit, there you go. Drop the dislike there. We'll get that out of the way right now. Uh, Dave Smith says Triple G is back on the gear. You don't hear him being associated with gear-related accusations. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. He's almost 40, says Dave Smith, and he's never been hard to hit. Yep, I would agree with all of that. Hi, God, plodders about as well. Snake hips, Triple G is a savage. Andy, uh, they're going to string it out, aren't they? This Canelo Alves, Oscar De La Hoya was tweeting again. He's going to do exactly the same as he did before the first fight. He's going to let Triple G get that a little bit older and and over the hill and then have the third fight and he, I mean Canelo's going to win it I think yeah I think um, okay but, but I can't really base it off much I can only base it off the rematch and I know the old saying is you're only good as your last fight but off that last night it was just mainly you know blow off some rust really wasn't it but um, you know, the left hand you know it's, it's quite unique as to how he throws punches and that you know he kind of throws it in a kind of downward trajectory top of the head and really kind of does like scramble the senses which is what happened to Steve Rose I mean I remember he did something similar to um, uh, Marco Antonio Rubio um, kind of similar fashion punching that as well but yeah that over the top type of thing yeah it's, it really you know he puts, a, he puts a lot of meat on it he obviously tries to kind of get a lot of torque on it as well you know, if you look at, if you actually look at the way he throws the body shots and that as well, you know how he kind of like, some people actually kind of like throw it with a kind of fist or the kind of top end of the fist kind of facing into the body. He actually kind of turns the hand over, so he tries to kind of catch up the first two knuckles, which is really get the power off and that. So, um, you know, he's always kind of like trying to kind of land those shots and it clearly does kind of leave a, a, you know, a lot of damage on the, on the opponents. As for like Oscar and that, you know, I think... Golovkin said it best in his post-fight press conference. You know, the, the fight's pretty much 99% done. The 1% is apparently Oscar, you know, holding it up. You know, Canelo apparently wants it. Golovkin wants it. Um, I'm assuming if it's got this far and that money's been agreed, so it shouldn't be an issue. There's no pay-per-view money to get all fucking pissy about. So um, it's clearly just, you know, how much the zone's going to pay each fighter, I suppose, and that. So once uh, once it gets signed off, and that, I think it's uh, a, a fight match that's going to happen. Do we want to see it? Do I want to see it? No, really, not at this point. Um, you know, my opinion, I thought maybe Golovkin looked slightly soft about the midsection. 
And to be honest, I think Steve Rose is pretty much a bona fide 154 fighter if he would really try it. I know he's been campaigning around about the 160 mark and slightly above that, but he's a light middleweight. Uh, let's be honest about it. Uh, maybe he's up the age now that he, he kind of cut that weight, but other than that, mm, I, 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 if, if we're going to get Alvarez next, I would like to see him in, uh, I don't know, really. Maybe a rematch with Jacobs, probably. Um, I think Jacobs is probably going to move up, though, isn't he? To 168, he was saying. Yeah, but then again, you know, if Golovkin's won't entertain a catchweight in this fight and then there's no title at stake, why can't he make a catchweight for Jacobs? Mm. You know, something like 163, 164 or something. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, by the way, as we mentioned, it is th- definitely is thinning out. So he's going to have to start looking at like, these catchweight fights and try and get... You know, the kind of bigger either fights and that. I mean, Saunders is likely going to cut the comeback down to the uh, 160, in my opinion. He's not a 160 he's fighter. He's got to, he's got to. Yeah. He's going to get iced up there. Um, so other than that, mate, unless he's willing to kind of go up there and maybe pick on the fairy vets, like say your Bramers and Tudinovs and that type of stuff. He hasn't got time for that, Andy. He has to be big exactly. fights for nothing now. Well, what is it again? How many fights is it? Five fights? Five fight deal with the uh, with the zone. So again, I was thinking six, but you might be right. You five or six. Right. So you know, as you say, I think the the zone at this point are really looking for the big fights. They want that fight to be mm. made next. I think Oscar will basically get the pressure put on him, get the fight made because in the, the day they're they're his paymasters, and his fighters got a lot a lot of money, and uh, I don't think they would want to see that fighter sitting back when that was at three hundred million dollars. Canelo was getting to like. 100 million to uh, Golovkin's that money needs to start seeing some kind of return return on, on that investment so uh, I think they'll be pushing for that fight very very soon Andy tell me about Israel Majumov well we've got you there third win against Norberto Gonzalez he's not messing about which we like to say yeah he was um, pretty much right in there and just kind of like you know, taking care of business which we want to see I mean obviously Gonzalez he's been with some of the you know people nowadays who are either titleists or knocking the doors titleists so he's basically kind of <coughs> the clear journeyman and he go in there and basically do the guy. Was it what was it five six rounds? Um, he looked pretty good in doing it though. There is obviously we be kind of over eager, I suppose. But that's that's natural. You know, hopefully that gets refined out a wee bit. But uh, he's looking good. And all the signs are looking good to a very very promising pro career. Um, again, as I say, they really are pushing this guy forward pretty soon. But um, I really don't know how, you know who they're going to pick him up with next. I dare say we're not tough, durable journeyman of some sort to try and get him rounds and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's all looking good. Well, looking good, said Andy. That's good to hear. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, Gabe, returns to the ring with a devastating KO of Steve Rolls in New York City. That's what it says in front of me, according to Fox Sports Australia. They're summing up pretty well there. Were you impressed by Golovkin? Were you, uh, did you receive pretty much what you expected, Gabe? Tell me your, your thoughts on his win last night. Well, not having seen much of uh, Rolls before, I kind of assumed but that was kind of what we were going to see, uh, especially with the conversations that were kind of revolved around um, the the third Canelo fight. You know, I think that they, I think that they want to do it. I think it's more of of uh, the zone wanting it maybe uh, than than Oscar quite yet. I don't think they would dis, dis um, disapprove of the fight. But I think the problem is that, like you guys have already said. I think they're going to wait, drag it out for a couple fights, and then have Canelo go in and retire Triple G. Um, if you if you put Triple G in there with him now, and he loses, <clears throat> then I think the problem that you have is how are you gonna how are you gonna 
get the return on your investment because it's uh, as you said a six-year deal uh or is that right no three-year deals six fights uh i think it was like a nine-figure deal too so at least a hundred million at least so if you if you take this guy in there and then you you have him lose to canelo right away then you kind of put yourself in a in a bad spot because then you've got to pay this guy top dollar for rebuild fights or fights that aren't going to really bring in as many viewers. So from a, you know, a business standpoint, I don't think it really makes much sense for them to do it now, especially with what they've got invested uh, in triple G, because I just don't think he's going to beat Canelo in a third fight. I just don't see it happening. And um, especially with a couple more years on him. I mean, he's already seems like he may have shown some signs of, of declining. So I think the point is that you, you you kind of expect them to, or at least I do, to match him a bit carefully so they can preserve a big money fight uh, that they can draw in lots of viewers. Because if you match him up against Rolls and he gets a knockout, you match him up three or four more times and he gets a good fight, uh, good, good wins, and he gets knockouts, then you've rebuilt the whole thing all over again. And you put him in a position where the Canelo fight's going to bring in more viewers. And that's really what they're going to aim for is getting as many viewers as possible. Because without that, there's really no point in any of this shit. Why don't they just throw them in together right now? So um, I didn't think he looked bad. I didn't think he looked great. He got a good knockout, a good win over over Rolls, who, like I said, I haven't seen enough of to really um, give a, a solid critique on. Um, but I think it's, you know, they, you you got to – match them up kind of like top rank does you put your guys in with guys that have good records so the win looks better than maybe it really is um uh you know we'll, i'm sure we'll talk about the um oscar valdez fight later on um and 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 top rank's in depth, really in depth yeah sure i think top rank's really good about the about that kind of thing about matching guys up with records that don't really put in your mind this is a journeyman this is a bum this is a young guy that shouldn't be here this is a guy you know they they have good records so to the to the average viewer when they see uh oscar valdez going up against a guy that's undefeated even though he doesn't have a whole lot of fights it's still it it, it conjures up something in the imagination so i think that's what they're going to continue to do with triple g until they get closer to the end of the deal um, I wouldn't suspect that they'll wait for the whole three years to do that fight again. Uh, you know, truth be told, I don't know that that Triple G lasts for three more years. And then if he does, taking a Canelo fight is absolutely going to be a cash out. Um, but I think if he waits that long, somebody else is going to get a hold of him and take that take that uh, last win and retire him. I, I could see that being the case. There you go. Retirement on the card, says Gabe. Gabe, just before you run off too quickly, I'm thinking about DAZN here. Now, I'm no expert in this area, but I am quite intrigued by how it's working. If, you know, the reports are to be believed, DAZN, their viewing figures of AJ against Ruiz were like in the hundreds of thousands because they haven't obviously got that many subscribers. But if you're on DAZN for boxing and you're a boxing fan, obviously you're, you're subscribed to them, then they're not going to be sort of getting in people who aren't boxing fans or drawing them in, you know, they're sort of hidden in a bubble, aren't they, of boxing forces? What I'm trying to say is, badly, 
ESPN, they have like showing in the bars all around America and everybody's watching it. They're able to sort of funnel you into ESPN Plus if you're a boxing fan. Same with Fox. They're funneling you into their pay-per-views by putting it on their Fox Sports Network. You've got Sky over here showing everything on Sky Sports News. BT, during the Football Champions League final, there was Josh Warrington promos. There was Tyson Fury promos. All these outlets are able to sort of funnel you across into their subscription service. But zone, like I said, they sit with like preaching to the choir. They've got their, their subscribers and they're ending up with like what? A quarter of a million people watching AJ against Ruiz. I know they're saying the death of pay-per-view and all that, but who's actually sitting and watching this game? Me and and around a quarter million other people. <laughs> Not a lot of people, you know, to be fair. I mean, I think that what you what you've just discussed is kind of the the problem with going with a streaming only service. So I'm going to give you an example of, of several, uh, a couple of them you've already mentioned. So uh, for any, any of any of you um, listeners that, that are huge uh, horror movie fans, you like the scary movies, uh, there's a subscription to a deal that you can buy called Shudder. Shudder is owned by AMC Network, the company that does The Walking Dead and, and uh, Better Call Saul and a few other popular shows over here in the States. Um, they have a lot of the same rights and things to the movies. So it, it's uh, kind of one of those scenarios, like you said, you, you check out AMC Network because it's on your television. And then um, they're going to say, oh, OK, well, well, I like these kind of movies. So now I can I can move on into the shutter and, and watch scary films whenever I want to. And that's a really great thing. It's a great idea. It's a great really practice. I think if you were talking about best practices in marketing and, uh, and business management, really, I would think that you would need to have a base audience and they have it with, with your average AMC uh, viewer that, that likes movies that they show a lot on AMC. So they do show around Halloween, a lot of scary movies. Um, and then you have, you know, The Walking Dead and a few other movies that are, 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 excuse me, television programs that are kind of the same, the same vein. So you, you suck them in, just like you said you do with ESPN. Um, ESPN is is kind of the largest uh, sports television provider. I'll just put it that way uh, in the United States. If you ask a hundred people what ESPN is, ninety nine of them are going to be able to tell you. So you've got that built-in base, those people that love sports. Like I like baseball. Uh, I watch football. I love college football. Um, they show soccer. They have everything. And so you get a little niche group with each one of those. So you got your soccer fans um, in this part of the world, this, this part of the world specifically. The soccer fans that you're going to get viewing are probably going to be more Hispanic uh, uh, viewers. So when you've got that little built-in group, that are going to flip it over because they they hear that you've got Canelo Alvarez on on or excuse me uh, another Hispanic fighter maybe Oscar Valdez would be a good example that you've got Oscar Valdez on on ESPN plus and they tune it in and they see some more fighters so you, you again you funneled them in and um, I mean you can go on and on and and, and just about everything's got a a streaming service now even Walt Disney uh, you know the the popular maker for your your classic. Uh, animated films is starting up a uh, a streaming service, so you get again a built-in group of, of of viewers. So you're gonna take kids, for example. Um, you've got these kids that watch the Disney Channel, the, 
the, the television network. Um, and they're going to get, you know, funneled into viewing those films on their streaming service. The zone has nothing like that. They've, they've done some moves that I feel are kind of smart with, they've got some baseball programming on there. They have UFC on there, I believe too, or it's not UFC per se, I guess, uh, MMA, I guess. Um, and they have, uh, they have some other sports too. They, they do have uh, soccer. Um, so there's a lot of things that they've done that, that were kind of intelligent moves, but I just feel like it's, it's difficult to start a, a, a service like that from the ground up and then to, to really have it flourish. Like there's no connection. You're going to have to build that connection. You know, right when they first started, you would catch uh, the zone uh, commercials on television, you know, and, and they're not so much anymore. I haven't seen one in a while, um, but it, it just failed to really get a, a massive swell of people to it because there's nothing funneling people to it. So again, if you look at your average soccer fan here, um, are they going to tune into the zone? Well, why, why would they? Because they can get it on ESPN. They can get it on ESPN plus, and then God knows what other channels. I know they show it on the Spanish stations. Uh, I believe uh, what's the, uh, there's a Spanish language station. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. Um, it's kind of a premium channel, but mm -hmm. you can also get your soccer fix on there as well. Um, so I think that that channel, uh, God forbid, I can't remember what it is. Um, I think they show a little bit more Central America and South America soccer on there. Um, they also do broadcast some boxing matches as well. Uh, but, but you get that built in group that's, that's there, but where do they go? Like where, where do they see the zone? We know it because we're invested in this stuff. We talk about it every fucking Sunday, but how are people that, that aren't invested going to make the jump over there to it? I mean, their baseball offering is, is, is almost to me worthless. I can watch a whole baseball game on my television Whereas if we're talking about baseball on the zone app, it's, it's not really going to work because they don't have rights to stream games. They just show basically highlights, which where else can I get those ESPN? So they're not really offering anything to me that is, is going to get a large number of buyers for any particular thing because everything that they've got is on offer somewhere else. And honestly, it's on offer um, in a lot of ways better than, than what you're getting with the zone. Um, I do like the zone. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, go out and trumpet, you know, that everyone go out and, and, and purchase a subscription to it. But I think that the cards that they put on um, are, are top to bottom. You get to watch a whole card. I mean, since when has that ever fucking happened on television? You know, it never happened. Uh, HBO would show one fight off a card. Um, Showtime, maybe two or three, but but you're getting a whole card top to bottom. So you're really getting experience for boxing fans that I think is a little bit unique. Is that a good thing, though? Because you're seeing a lot of shit, too, aren't you? Uh, that's what I was about to go with next. You're getting a lot of good stuff on there because you get to watch some young fighters develop, but you got to wade through a lot of shit, too. You, you absolutely have to. So it's really kind of unprecedented in the the quantity and then having to sort through the quality. And I think that's kind of what you see around the globe with any medium, whether it's music or art or anything that it's so easy to get. 
that there's such a glut of it that you've just got to wade through piles and piles of shit to find the good stuff. So it kind of works against them in that part too, I think. But um, I mean, I don't know. I think you're, I think you nailed it really. They don't have a, anything to funnel people into, into subscribing. And so I think that's been their biggest downfall. And um, you know, Canelo alone is not enough. I, I don't know what exactly it is. And maybe, maybe they need to realize that boxing is always going to be at its best, a, a, a blip on the, on the radar of, of sports programming for the month. You have a big fight like Ali. So maybe yeah. that's what I think it has to go to. Mm-hmm. No, Gabe's right. Sometimes you've got to sift through the shit to get to the good stuff. Um, right, Rob, welcome to you. <laughs> good to, good to uh, you. <laughs> <well>. <laughs> First of all, uh, congrats to Andy on the birth of his new son. So that's a congrats from everybody. Cheers, mate. Uh, on the pod. Hope you get out at some stage to get a, a drink. I've got one Celebrate there, that one, man. I've got one there. Uh, that's what I'm talking Prince, about. There you go. Prince, Prince Audley Vincent Patterson, named after his three <laughs> Prince Patel, Audley Harrison, and uh, the one and only Vincent Feigenbutz. Well, but Adrian Brown, I missed that one. Uh. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Patterson Broner. Anthony Fowler. <laughs> Anthony, you, you could call him Andrew Floyd, Tracy Harris, Patterson. Patterson no, I like that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Femi Joshua. <laughs> That's what I meant to say, by the way. Anyone cop? I know we had a bit of hysteria last week. Adam Adam Smith, uh, when commenting on the fight, said, Andy Ruiz, he's such a nice guy. He has four kids. One of them is called AJ. I think that's a nickname. What the fuck was he trying to get at there? Was he trying to, was he trying to insinuate there's some Nigerian genetics in the mix? The child is in no way related to yeah. Anthony Joshua. No way related to Anthony we've Joshua. To, uh, Rob, we've got to remember that all that when Tony Bellew boxed at Manchester Arena and he had the bomber tattoo, That's it was true. by no means link, no ways linked to the bombings at Manchester Arena. So if it wasn't for Adam Smith, we wouldn't know this key information. Why we like, never forget. He's a man. He's a man of few facts, but when he reveals them, the top one. <laughs> I just thought that's so fucking bizarre. Like yeah, Joshua's been down twice. He's such a nice guy, Ruiz. Four kids. One of them is called AJ. I think that's a nickname. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Anyway, sorry, Steve. Rob, Rob, just before you get going, actually, we've I've got a message for you. Just one second. The bomber tattooed on his back is, of course, a reference to his potent punch power and not in any way insensitive to the tragedy which unfolded in this arena when Ariana Grande performed Manchester. We'll never forget. We'll never, you'll never forget anyway, Robert. Oh, got a pod goal that, that night. Absolute brilliant. I think that was like our episode 300 or something like that. It was absolute gold. Good man, Adam Smith. The gift that keeps on giving. Go on then, Robert. What about Triple G? Back down to reality. Come on with the bang. Yeah. I, I kind of said when this fight, fight was announced then that there was no footage of Steve Rolls that I thought Dazone were desperate for this Canelo um, Golovkin 3 and that they needed to kind of restore the aura around Triple G as being a knockout artist. And that's kind of how it played out. Like you're looking at a guy who's not even in the top 10 um, who gave Golovkin some problems I'd say in the first two rounds he he caught him a lot I think Triple G looks a little bit on the slide I know we've been saying this for like three three years or whatever but if time is now if you're going to get him he's you know 
there's not much left for him to do at middleweight. He had his 20 defences. He should have one W at least on his record over Canelo. He hasn't got it. Um, but the commentator said last night, Golovkin is sending a message to Canelo. <laughs> to me, he's sending a message saying that Canelo could beat him again. I don't. I didn't see any anything last night from Golovkin. I know, granted, it's only four rounds, but I didn't see anything from him last night to, to suggest that he's going to be able to um, get the better of Canelo. The thing about the thing about that fight is that Golovkin kind of needs a knockout to win that one. He's not getting it on the cards, and Canelo's showed his beard time and time again. I don't think he can. I think he can take Golovkin's power. So it's either going to be a shot he doesn't see, or just something completely out of the blue. If Canelo does get knocked out, so I think Canelo could um, outbox him again. But no, I think there's only that fight in September. I know that they've signed Golovkin on, on long-term deals, but what they're hoping is it goes close again. You might get another rematch. They they really need to to see some return on investment on the big money that they've been paying out. And really, if these two don't fight each other next. Who else is there for them? Like, really, that's going to do numbers on the on the zone. There's not that many. They're the two biggest brand names in middleweight boxing, um, and they're going to be in with each other in September, no doubt. Well said, Rob. Thank you very much. Delighted to have us joining on the call now. It's Joseph Ajayo. Good evening, Joseph. How are you? How are you, Steve? And the lovers of uh, the sweet science called boxing. Exactly. Boxing Asylum. You, you're very much in the nut house. Uh, we're going to be talking to you about Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz. It took place about a week ago. How are you How are you feeling? Are you still emotional, Joseph? Tell me about your thoughts. Oh, yeah. I must be honest with you, people. I almost had a heart attack because it was uh, the least expected. Uh, event because uh, I did not expect that uh, Joshua will lose to Andre Andy Rose. You know, to me, uh, the bout looked funny. Mm. It looked it looked sham, false, fake, fraudulent, forged, feigned, spurious. Pantafeet, so-called bout, mm. because it, it it wasn't real to me. It is not genuine. Something is behind it. You know, it it, it, it is not a uh, authentic. That's what I can say. Ah, well, well Joseph, I, I almost this, I, this, I this almost is... had. He had attacked. This is interesting, Joseph. Are you claiming that the bout uh, wasn't genuine? That there was some kind of fix involved? Sure, I watch it over and over severally because if you check my uh, my uh, Twitter account, Twitter account, I tweeted and I asked, "Who was the tactician or technical advisor who told him to lose weight? A heavyweight." Boxer, do not lose weight. Ali did not lose weight. Joe Frazier did, did not lose weight. So, something's fishy. You mentioned on Twitter, Joseph, about the okro soup. Do you think that could have been a factor? Yeah, uh, this is what I tweeted. I said, who advised the dietitian 
to take away uh, a goosey, a bar, an okra soup away from his diet, his menu. Because uh, Joshua was raised by an African and his father is from Nigeria. And uh, I had him uh, in one of uh, the interviews that he granted. And he said he loved the uh, Inya and Egusi. So that will give you energy. And when you punch, your opponent will feel the punch. So how, how should, how, how on net should a heavyweight a boxer lose weight? And this guy was coming in heavy. So it's something that we just have to think about. Does not really, it does not uh, uh, look real to me, to be honest. Joseph, for the un uninitiated, what exactly is in these soups? What is the sort of core structure of them? Oh, it's just a uh, 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 African, particularly Nigerian uh, food. You know, basically, it's just like uh, going green. So it will give you energy. And mostly it will enhance your uh, ability to eat more. Then when you eat more, you see, you are the product of uh, what you eat and what your system process. Joseph. You can't compare with a burger. Yeah, yeah. Th hey, is because right that's what I'm having right now. Yeah, there, there are yeah. a number of conspiracy theories going around at the moment. Do you uh, give any... Uh, credence to the fact that there, well, there might have been a mercury injection possibly uh, injected into AJ or maybe some kind of fumes put in through the ventilation. This has been propagated on Twitter. <laughs> no, what actually happened to me is this. <laughs> Only Anthony Joshua can say exactly what happened. But... They could knock the fuck out. That's what happened. My uh, observation. Um, if you see uh, AJ a uh, couples of uh, weeks ago, I mean, couples of uh, days ago, he did not behave as somebody that lost uh, something fighter. Because if you if you consider, or uh, you you if you lost. To somebody that is supposed to beat you, I believe that that will be sober reflection. You know, and, and people will see it in you. But in the other way around, I know that is a motivational uh, person. He might want, he might want to just throw the lost away so that he can uh, package himself for the upcoming bout. Um, we had a question coming for you, Joseph. Many questions, in fact. Uh, one gentleman said, does Joseph think that maybe it was the drugs wearing off since Joshua started with Varda to explain his lack of stamina and resistance? Yes, that, that, that was why I asked. Who was the dietitian who planned his menu? Because uh, AJ is supposed to come in into the ring uh, losing more weight. 
that left much to be desired. So, number one. Number two, he had a panic attack. Because, you see, let me, let me just uh, reflect upon what I uh, tweeted out. Number one, uh, couples of a month ago, I told him not to leave his uh, kingdom because a king does not leave his palace. And I knew what I, I meant because of uh, USA is different from England. Yes. Many conspiracy theories. So it would have been better for AJ to stay in England and fight whoever that he wants to fight for some time, then he can go out. So something is, is behind it because it took me days before I began to talk about his loss. Really? Yes. Is that because of the emotions? My, if you check my, account, my uh, Twitter account, yeah. I tweeted it out because I, 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 I reflected upon it. I watched about because you know uh the first round the second round the third round aj will have knocked this guy off knock him out but i think maybe he remembered something so the the game changed uh joseph just to uh clear up the final conspiracy theory thing some people are mentioning some possible uh free masonic or illuminati intervention would you would you give any um validity to that oh uh, yeah sure steve you know this is my country <laughs> and the united states of america is my country nigeria too because i have dual citizenships the point is this what obtain in england cannot obtain here in the United States. And I'm also, uh, Anthony Joshua is a novate when it comes to spirituality. So, and uh, him coming here without no uh, profound security, and I'm also, uh, he didn't know much about our society. So I think uh, what I will say is this, uh, to every rumor, there will be a minute of fact or genuity in it. Mm. Well, Joseph, you did mention there that you don't think that Antony should have left the United Kingdom and gone over to America. With respect, you've also gone over to America. So do you think that by coming on here and speaking so freely, out putting this out into the public domain, that with America being the way it is, as you have described, you could also be at risk? Uh, you see, at least he, I, I believe that uh, the deed was done. He had nothing to lose now. But I will prefer him to stay in England to get his bed back and to fight like Kebrook. He didn't leave England. That was what I told him. Let them come to you and bow down. You see, mm. you don't, you don't, Tyson Fury came over. You don't have to be a cheap copy of the original. You had the original. Let the boxers come to you. O2, go to Wembley. 
they want to fight you, let them go. If they don't want to fight you, well, go, good enough. Let them go. But he, he swallowed the bait. Only what I'm, what I'm, 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 the prayer that I'm praying for him is for him to learn from his mystics, errors, and uh, repackage and come back very strong. So you'll be able to uh, be relevant in boxing uh, profession. Yeah, just to remind our listeners, we have Joseph Ajayo, PhD, THD, on the call. Final couple of questions for you, Doctor, and we do thank you for your time. Uh, would you still like to see Anthony Joshua fighting in Nigeria, or do you think that's, that ship has very much sailed now? Yeah, um, I want him to fight in two places. England, Wembley, where he battered Kilisco. I don't want him to go to Nigeria now. Is convenient in England, in London. So let the rematch uh, be in London. But I will not advise him to go to Nigeria now. Let him get the bet back, the bets back. Then he can go to Nigeria. But I want him to fight the guy again. And the rules. I want him to. There must be that rematch fast because after the second bout then i will know what to do uh joseph if any nigerian boxing fans are looking to get on a different bandwagon if they're maybe going to abandon anthony joshua maybe deontay wilder he said a tweet recently that said my family is huge and we're all over the world but there's one thing for sure my african roots are strong could you see you abandoning aj for wilder now joseph uh, you mean uh, why did I say that? Uh, why, why would do you think that with uh, Deontay Wilder revealing these strong African roots, you might go over to Team Wilder now because he is undefeated? You see, uh, Steve, the Swiss science is not about being undefeated. It's about um, boxing the re way that boxing is supposed to be conducted or uh, like uh, uh louis lennox louis he lost then he came back and defeated raman so ali lost i mean three uh, on three occasions but he was the legend so it is it, a i mean success is not other matter but the confidence that you bring into life that matters. So, being on Divita, you see, the hunter, um, I love him as a person, but I don't like his boxing star. He, 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 he's supposed to demonstrate uh, boxing fundamentals. Because when he boxes, Whenever he wants to use his right, he stretches his legs. He cannot meet somebody that can box. That was why I said he cannot beat AJ on a neutral ground. I'm still saying it. I can, I can bet anything on it. If uh, that, that venue 
is free of manipulation. So whatever Dante uh, is saying now, I don't think it's very serious because he's happy that AJ had lost. But the downfall of a man is not the end of his life. I know AJ is coming back with a big bang. Back with a big bang. Uh, final one from me, Joseph, before we let you go. Uh, can you just clear up a tweet that you sent out recently? I mean, I understood it, but some of our denser listeners were a bit confused. You said, Anthony Joshua did not violate the idiosyncratic meaning of humility. At times, boxing is more than physicality. It involves mysticism and preternatural phenomenon. AJ is never a proud person. Get the Gerund syntax and semantic right. What did you mean by that, Joseph? <laughs> Thank you. You could tell me Fabati. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, was it not here that tweeted uh, something out that why can he stay humble and win the bout? <laughs> so then uh, I decided to use a broad semantics because uh, I tweeted. Uh, sometimes that if you stay humble and remain humble, you cannot stumble. I mean, uh, <laughs> you see, being a boxer, mm. you, you have to be a good representative of that sweet science in which Ali did during the civil rights movement. And me particularly, boxing changed my life. So that was why I didn't take it very gently with the guy from New York, Jerry Miller, who took drugs because that, 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 that was in Congress. So what I mean by boxing is more than physicality, number one. At times, it's spiritual. It entails many things. You have to study your opponent. You have to know yourself and know your skill. Or shall I say your skills? You, you must know your weaknesses and your strong point. Mm. And also, you, you have to psychologize, you know, because uh, you must know the psyche of your opponent in order to think ahead of your opponent. <clears throat> so that, is, that, that was what I said. Boxing is more than physicality. When I say mysticism, you see, I, I, have you have you have you ever seen? Or, or let me say, let me use uh, Ali as an example. In those days, when Ali came into the ring, he was size. He saw my opponent hop. A matter of fact, he, he uses a uh, mental alchemy, uh, basically to reduce his opponent. To the lower syrup, mm. and physicality will come in. If you watched Ali versus Fraser, the first uh, bout Ali lost, but the second bout Ali won, and the second and the third one, see what he did to uh, the big judge uh, former in Africa, Zaire. He mystified him. Paint the absence, please. You know he uses mental chemistry. In order to confuse him. Yeah. So 
the guy didn't, the guy didn't see the right the straight right coming and it was heavy when he landed it former didn't know he he, he, be, he began to to wobble and he followed it up ba, ba, bo, bo, ba, ba. That they counted him out. So that was what I meant. Mm. You see, mm -hmm. whatever there is spirituality behind every physicality. There you go. Spirituality behind every physicality. That is as good a place as anywhere to leave it, Joseph. At Joseph J04 over on Twitter, everybody. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us as usual. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. All the best. Right. Thank you. All right. God bless you too. You too. Steve. Fuck Steve, fuck's sake, man. Listen, my son was 12 years old when this podcast started. He graduates tomorrow. <laughs> There's one for the timestamp, Rob. What did you get? Could I, could I just come in quickly on this AJ thing? Because um, I got a bit, of, I got a slight bit of a backlash last week <laughs> over some of this stuff. People think it's personal, like I have something against AJ. Listen, I don't have anything against any fighters. I don't care about fighters' personas. I hope they get as much money as they can. The money's better in AJ's pockets than it is in Arams or Heyman's or Eddie Hearns or Don King's or whoever. So I'm all for the fighters making a lot of money. But I think Andy covered it perfectly on the pod last week. It's, it's not him. It's Matchroom. It's the way that they're marketing him. Like they've said, you know, right hand of Ernie Shavers, the jab of Larry Holmes, the chain of Rocky Marciano, the footwork of Ali. The, the the display that they did the night the night of the Charles Martin um, vacant title win with all this Ali imagery up on on the screen it was it's just an embarrassment and I said last week I think you know I don't I, like I don't really care about fighters personas but I'm not buying that he's this humble guy and I'm not buying that he's in love with the sport he's in love with social media I believe Andre Ward was was nail on the head when he said he's he likes being a model for Instagram listen what fighter what great champion that you can think of now wouldn't have been hurt by the defeat. He said in his video, my loss, my story, or whatever the fuck it was called, when he's sitting there in a pair of shorts, three times too small for him, flexing his big leg, uh, talking about he didn't have a panic attack, and this, that, and the third, and never let success, as, he, as I always say, never let success go to your head, but never let your failures go to your heart. You know what? You're a heavyweight unified champion. That defeat didn't go to your heart. That should be eating you alive. Not making YouTube videos on fucking Monday after getting knocked out. You should be back in the gym. Cut down your team. Get back training. You know, there's, the stories about him is that he's not dedicated. You know, he's pissing about all over the world, taking pictures for Instagram. He's uh, allegedly getting out 10 days before the Povetkin fight, getting stuck up for a watch. Things that he's not moving correctly as a heavyweight champion because he's such a, a big business. And it's come, it's come back to bite him. So what he wanted to do was get back in the gym. I heard Eddie Hearn talking about, uh, oh, back good people. If you don't back AJ, you don't back good people. Man, we back what we watch with our eyes, right? We're, we're fight fans. We've been watching, I've been watching fights over 30 years. I'm backing what I see with my eyes, not what you tell me. I don't care if he's a good person or not. Uh, Eddie said, you know, after speaking to him and being over in the house this week, I had the realisation that this is part of the journey. Really? Because you had the same realisation on Saturday night about 30 seconds after you got the microphone in your face. It was part of the journey. So all this is just a lot of hype. The hype continues. The chap's been exposed in the ring. And if he wants to get back to it, he wants to, he want to get back to the gym and get back to correcting the things that he's doing wrong in the fight. Forget about all that other shit. Like that YouTube video, half hour YouTube video, an absolute embarrassment. Embarrassment from a guy who calls himself a champion 
who would make a video like that unless you were, weren't completely vain? If you weren't completely obsessed with being portrayed a certain way on social media and your persona wasn't more important to you, you wouldn't make a video like that. You know why? Because you'd be hurting. You'd be hurting after that loss. And you wouldn't want to see, you wouldn't want your face seen. You want to come back. And now uh, Eddie wants this, him to turn heel now and go back to the bad man that we saw on the string vest. Piss off, will you? Just, just get back to fighting, man. Get back to fighting. Rob's getting stuck right in there. Ozzy, I'm going to come to you in a minute. Just before I do so, I want to get this in before, in case Andy has to disappear. Andy, you sent this to me during the week, and I thought it was of great interest to everybody listening. It was a shout-out to the channel, YouTube channel, Fighter IQ. They managed to get hold of a certain Derek Chisora shortly after the AJ Ruiz <laughs> weigh-in. And I think Derek had maybe had a few scoops, and he was quite forthcoming what he had to say. So I've cut it for a couple of minutes. Fighter IQ over on YouTube. Shout out to them. Let's have a little listen to what, <laughs> to what, to what Derek had to say uh, on the on the whole uh, Jarrell Miller and uh, Joshua incident. So at, at that point, would you say that this would be Let's all be honest, man. You know, we, 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 we want to be honest, yeah? Gerald Miller, you're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. I hope you fucking die for fucking around with a sport by taking drugs. That is it. Because he fucked up everybody's money. You know, that is it. You know, they fucked up everybody's money. Everybody makes money, and you fucked up by taking drugs. You're a cheating motherfucker, and I hope you fucking die. And that's it. With that being said, does it seem like there's more of a problem in the U.S. opposed to the U.K.? Or is there a problem in the sport in general? No. There's a problem in, in America. Because in America, a lot of your athletes take drugs. In the U.K., we don't take drugs. In the U.K., we train to our ability. Quick intervention. He did fight Dillian White, who got caught. Also now, uh, the young man, fair play to his persistence, he's clearly only a young guy, Andy. He jumps in and tries to engage Derek yeah, <laughs> on some vid video game chat. <laughs> there's, uh, there's so much elite content there, man. You, know, you, could, you, could, you could literally spend a full podcast just dissecting that interview, man. That's just pure class. Let, let's listen to Derek talking about a uh, video game. So with you and just seeing where you're going to go, um, what's next for you and your, your... I don't know, man. We'll see. Thank you, bro. I got one last quick question. Yeah. I'll let you go. I'm sure... I'm sure you grew up playing a whole bunch of fighting games like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, go on. Who was your, some of your favorite fighters in those video games? None. None? I never played video games. No? Yeah. If you were in a fight knife, what would you stab me? Pardon? Like a new fight knife, boxing. <laughs> like a, you know, EA Sports. You know, boxing. Yo, you gotta stop moving out, guys. Hey, I call it Rambo. Rambo in there. Madden. Also, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Rambo. I call it Rambo. <laughs> What would your character be in EA Sports? Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> I, the first part of that interview sounded like it could have come straight off this pod. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, baby. But I, I tell you what, he was really quite passionate about fucking up everybody's money, eh? Um, I, don't, I don't know what Miller was getting again. It was obviously, it was like mega, mega millions anyway. And uh, it's obviously everybody's now getting short change now, eh? So everybody's not happy and yeah, it was just fucking brilliant, just Dell being Dell. But you can imagine him saying that in the UK, that'd be licensed stripped straight away. 
Exactly. Well done. Good find there, Andy. It was Andy who brought that to our attention, that little three and a half minute clip with Fighter IQ. Not familiar with the uh, channel, but fair play to them. They've got some <laughs> elite content, including the video stuff at the end there. So go over and subscribe to Fighter IQ if you want. Maybe you'll get something else of that type of ilk. Right, Ozzy, let's get straight into you. You're desperate to get stuck in here. After the performance of Dr. Joseph for J-O-T-H-D. Yeah. Tell them what you thought, you, This mate. is a hard act to follow now, Ozzy. Tell me, you went on the pod last week, obviously, because you were working. AJ against Ruiz. Humble to stumble. What is it, Ozzy? Come on, let rip. Come on, Oz. Sorry, I was just unmuting myself. Um, I, I don't buy into any of the conspiracy theories, apart from the fact that he, he, he was... Essentially outclassed, outgunned, and the shot that dropped him in the third, he simply never recovered from. All this bollocks about how he was dropped in sparring. For once, the fighter and his promoter haven't made an excuse, but now the fans can't seemingly can't accept it. There has to be something wrong, according to them. No, he's been built up like this indestructible machine, when in reality. He's just been caught on the side of the head. And it's the punches that do catch you high on the side of the head. It's quicker to recover, you know, from when you get banged on the chin. But it's the ones that, you know, it could stun you just behind the ear as well. It was a great shot. It was time to, to perfection. And he never recovered from it. People were commenting on about, you know, like his questions in the corner. That's because he was badly busted up. He didn't have a clue what was going on. And, and it was a case of, I, I thought Ruiz was excellent. I thought he was willing to, I mean, the shot that dropped him, I didn't think he was actually hurt by it. He seemed a bit, you know, like, but you know, a bit of a shock of sorts, but I thought he got up and his legs were there. And then he stood straight, straight in front of Joshua. He took a huge right hand and it didn't move him at all. Now, when we've seen Joshua finish like people like that previously, they'll land up that follow, uh, he'll land up the follow up right, right hand. And that's it. Lights out. They're on the ground again, and he can he can smother them, and then it's it's game over. Ruiz took it, and then let his hands go, and he, he was excellent. And I, I saw some comments essentially saying that this is probably one of the first young hungry fighters in his past few fights that Joshua's fought in terms of Vladimir Klitschko. You know, was what was it forty two? Povetkin was you know like coming to the back end of his career as well whereas ruiz for like so what did he have a six week five week camp something like that uh came in shape wise looking an absolute mess but boxing's not a bodybuilding contest and he pulled off one of the biggest upsets in boxing it was a fantastic performance i don't buy any of the conspiracy theories because i simply don't believe they existed joshua got caught couldn't recover, and Andy Ruiz took full advantage of it. And what about the rematch, Ozzy? Is it going to be any different, 50-50? Are we going to get the big laddies 50 mil? Oh, he's not going to get 50 million. Might I think as well reach for the stars, though, eh? Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think anyone with anybody, any sort of, of common sense knows that he's not going to get 50 million. He's just... <laughs> He's just he's just chancing it, but we know. Look, he's con he's contractually obliged to it, and if he doesn't take it, I think he has to chuck you know like a couple of the belts away or something like that. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't think he will. I think he fully believe. I think Ruiz. It's interesting that Joshua's willing wants it in America again. I think that's quite interesting that 
Um, clearly, uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom won it in the UK, but the money man and the decision maker is Anthony Joshua. And if he wants it in America, then there's no reason why we shouldn't see it in America. Dan Riffield's saying it's going to happen in New York. Yeah, that's where that's where he wants it as well. It's the only place. He wants it back at the Garden. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it makes me think again, back to him just being more of a businessman and a marketeer because apparently the conversation went along the lines of, if I do it here, it's even more special. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's his manager? Remember his manager came out and says, now that he's took the L and that, the, the, mm. the journey's going to be even more amazing. You know, thinking about the brand moving forward and that. You see, you say, right, okay, as Rob says, rather than sitting your fighter, look, you need to get your ass back in the gym and start working on some, some situations. Rather than saying, oh, we're thinking about the brand, we'll start pushing him back out there and stuff. Yeah, I thought he's, I was a lot of bollocks. He's, he's out on Twitter there uh, yesterday doing wheelies doing fucking Fifth Avenue he's always yeah. fucking billboard t-shirts on his fucking I'll tell you what as well that's one thing I have got to say he's been seen with his fans more and out in the public recently probably in the past week than prior to him getting beat from where you would never see him going playing basketball with a load of randomers you wouldn't see him just going pedalling a bike down a high street in America but because he's lost he's now you know coming across as this you know like open book and he's a man of the people and things like that and Probably eating a bit of humble pie, really. Like we say, um, it, it was a, what was Ruiz twenty-five to one. It's a huge, huge upset, and like we said, all the fight week consisted of Deontay Wilder talk and Tyson Fury talk. That's all it was spoken about. And I need to ask a question. I need to ask a question. See if that was Wilder last week getting knocked out off Andy Ruiz. Eddie Henry would be coming out fucking praising Andy Ruiz. Would he fucking be, be coming out slagging Wilder? Exactly, slagging Wilder. He'd be laughed at, and it would be said that basically we've always known Wilder's there for the taking, and this is the reason why he didn't want to fight Anthony Joshua if Andy Ruiz was the one, you know, to knock Deontay Wilder out. But spin it the other way around now, it's been built up, you know, he's like, oh yeah, it was. You know, he was a live dog in there, and clearly he was as well. But he was second let, 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 Let's have it. Let's have it right. I'd say, bar people close to the Ruiz camp, and maybe your odd punter who just wants to stick a few quid on Andy Ruiz. I'd probably say ninety-nine percent of people felt Joshua was going to go in and absolutely steamroll him. Maybe going through a couple of tricky situations early on, but in reality come through relatively unscathed and it was he completely upset the apple cart going to the rematch now i do think it'll happen and i think it's really difficult to see what joshua can do different his defense has never been that good and i don't see how it's going to improve now in six months when it's not really improved since he turned over as pro how is he going to improve that in six months They've said that he's coming in what, like the best shape of his life. He had a brilliant camp. What can he do different, really? Not not a lot. Andy Ruiz, however, will have a full camp. What we're we talking, 12, 14 weeks, where he can get in better shape. I don't think, regardless of the shape he comes in, I always think he'll always be able to do the rounds. I think his stamina is excellent. Saw some training videos of him as well. He's quick. The guy, the guy can move quick for a big guy. So it's going to be interesting. He's clearly happy to essentially stand in front of Joshua and look to land that left hook. And Joshua had no answer to it. Absolutely no answer to it. And in six months, 
can he make so many changes to his to his defence? I'm not too sure. And if he does come unstuck, it's a long, long road back. And I don't buy the he's only had 25 fights. This guy's a unified champ. Well, was a unified champion, and would have suffered back-to-back defeats going into fights where one he was a huge underdog, and secondly, another big favourite. He loses that. Where does he realistically go? Back down to European level. You're not telling me a guy with what probably worth 50 million or something like that is going to be dicking around fighting, you know, like Polish geezers. Nah, uh, it'll be top level all retirement, surely. Yeah. Exactly. He's just not going to do that. And the heavyweight division's not massively in de- like where who would you put him in with? Who would you put him in with? It's just it's just it's gonna be interesting. Do you think just- the Ruiz rematch could be a case of obviously on a lower level, but the way David Price was exposed against Tony Thompson and yeah. if Ruiz oh, does it yeah. again, then we can say that if you put it on AJ and you're at any decent level, he's gonna be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Look, we've seen him clock before, haven't we? D- Dillian White was the first one to really land the shot, and it was more inexperienced, you know, injury that let him go. But he landed a huge left hook, and what did he do as well? He invested in Joshua's body. Ruiz invested in that body, and what was a big money shot for him? The left hook. Vladimir Klitschko landed a big straight right hand down, and if he landed the left hook when Joshua was going down, I think that would have been lights out for him as well. And what else did uh, Povetkin have joy with? I think it was uppercuts and hooks. So he's always been... Left hook again, Povetkin. Yeah, the left hook. So the left hook is a real money shot and a winner shot against Joshua. People just haven't been able to, one, land it cleanly, and then two, when they have landed it cleanly, really take advantage of it. Andy Ruiz did that, timed it to perfection, and Joshua just couldn't recover. And yeah, maybe people are saying, oh, he did well to last... You know, like go a couple more rounds. Yeah, he did, but he didn't do a right lot. I think there was one of the rounds he threw, was it one punch in about 45, 50 seconds? That plus, That's plus, not at all. Plus, Ruiz just took his time with him. He was just, you could see by Ruiz, yeah. he was completely calm for those next four yeah. rounds. He was just waiting yeah. his chance. Like. Yeah, and he, he, planted, he planted his feet in front of Joshua as well, didn't he? He, he? he was essentially, you know, willing to take potentially a right hand, you know, to land two or three shots, because when he let his hands go, Joshua didn't have a clue. They were, they were just too quick for him. He just did not have a clue. Um, so it, it was it was a huge upset, a brilliant win by Andy Ruiz. Full credit to him. I'm not, I'm not but like I said, I'm not touching on any of these conspiracy, conspiracy theories because they're just non-existent. They're it's fun just, though, aren't they, Aussie? Come on, man, they it, are fun. Well, they are, they are, yeah, but it's disrespectful as well. Look, the guy has caused a huge upset, and the first thing that people want to do is think of what's wrong with Anthony Joshua. Look, <laughs> all that pictures, and he was having a neck massage, and he was, his ring walk was delayed by a minute. Bloody hell! Even well, even at that, like, I, if he gets dropped in sparring, that's on him. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. AJ's six foot six, two forty. No one's yeah. going to tell him what to do yeah, if he's getting yeah. dropped in sparring a week before a fucking yeah. world title fight. That's on him. Yeah, but at the end of the day, look, people were saying it happened in fight week. You tell me any sort of fighter that is sparring during fight week. Exactly, it doesn't happen. happen. And then, like, just before when they're winding down, they're not going to be going, you know, like doing 
huge rounds, you know, like going full blow. If you're sparring that close to a fight, it's got to be at least non-contact sparring. Not a fight of that magnitude as well. Shadow sparring or non-contact sparring should be the only thing that should be going on between them. Unless you're trying to lose weight, which he's clearly not. But like I said, the, the, the people to believe are Anthony Joshua and his team. The guy has come out and said, there was nothing wrong with me. Now, usually boxers will get applauded for it, you know, for being honest and not making up excuses. Carl Frampton did it in the Josh Warrington fight. He held his hands up and just said he was better than me. People praised him from that. Anthony Joshua saying it. People can't accept it. They just think something was wrong. When in reality, if you strip all this back, Anthony Joshua is just a bloke from, where's he from? Like somewhere in London. He's had all this hype put on him, you know, like he... He was fortunate to win an Olympic medal. He's been built up as this absolute indestructible superstar. You know, I think he was, you know, like Eddie Hearn said, you know, he was potentially, you know, he could be Britain's greatest ever heavyweight. And now he gets beat and people just don't understand why. When in reality, he's always been run vulnerable and was somewhat exposed against Ruiz. Uh, Dave Smith in the chat's not happy. He says we're just repeating ourselves. But then fifth, uh, two of the panel, Dave, weren't on last week. So, you know, there's no repetition from Aussie. And now from Gabe, who's also going to jump in. Brief one from you, Gabe, so you don't upset me. Shut Smith. your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> me? Come on, what about AIDS J or whatever you call him? It was, was that for me? <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. You're the only Gabe on the panel. No, I mean, was was Andy telling me to shut my fucking mouth? <laughs> no, no, I don't think it was you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it was Dave who told me to shut the fuck up. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I was, I, I'll just go real short with it. Man, that was fucking great as fun to watch. Uh, I was really, um, I was really hoping Ruiz would win, but I didn't dare say it for fear of it not coming true. So, uh, in the, uh, in the chat, I'd put that, um, DJ was going to win big and make it look easy. And what do you know? So, uh, I, I just, I, I'll go so far as that. I don't think there's anything that I could cover that you guys haven't, haven't already done. Um, you know, I, 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 the only thing that I have was, I mean, it was just a great evening to watch, you know, for for fans of boxing, for anti-AJs like myself, for, uh, you know, people that have watched Andrew Ruiz in, in, in a lot of fights. Um, you know, he gets shown on the uh, uh, TV Azteca here in the States a lot. So we've, we've seen a fair bit of him. It was great. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I mean, I think we we saw what we kind of, Thought was going to happen at some point. I just don't think maybe that many of us expected uh, Ruiz to be the one to do it. Um, you know, but I mean, he was patient. He made AJ miss some, and he came back with some good punches of his own. And uh, the quickness and the mobility uh, just just really was great. I, I didn't think AJ looked like himself, but um, you know, I think I I feel pretty confident that in the rematch. He'll be just fine. He'll find his way in the rematch. Uh, I don't know that that Ruiz will have it twice, and if he does, fair play to him. But uh, you know, I, I don't think that it'll be long before AJ gets his belts back. But hopefully, I'm wrong about that as well. 
Okay, Gabe, moving on to the rest of the action from the weekend, starting with you, Rob. I don't know if you've seen this, apart from the clips at the end. Pretty sad sight. We were sort of shitting on old uh, Jab Zuda last week, Friday night, uh, the 7th of June. He went in against Cletus Seldin, someone who wouldn't have even lasted at all with the prime Judah. A come-forward type of guy, just too fit, too strong for this 42-year-old version of Zab, who apparently has ended up in some kind of coma as well. It's just sad yeah. to see, Rob, I suppose. Well, this is, I know we made fun of this fight last week, but this is why, like, we don't, Zab's 42 years of age, he's made his money, he's been in a lot of high-profile fights over the years, arguably gave Mayweather one of his best fights before he, you know, went Zab and started hitting him low and everything, and, um, you know, he'd nothing to fight on for, to me, like, five-time world champion or something like that, nothing, nothing to fight on for, and yet he's in a fight, like you said, against a guy who couldn't carry his jockstrap in his prime, and... He's he's beaten him quite savagely uh, with a with a heavy heavy stoppage loss towards the end. I did actually see the clip of the stoppage, um, and I saw a fighter on my timeline from New York say that Zab had been put in um, induced in an induced coma last night, and he's he's been since out of it and he's in recovery. But you know, very sad, very sad ending for Zab Judah, like a very good fighter, and um, just an example of another example of when fighters go on too long. Absolutely horrific. Where, wishing a, a speedy and full recovery. Well said, Robert. Uh, yeah, a few people are asking after Emily, who is supposed to be coming on at some point. She did follow the asylum. No, I followed her, I think it was, and then I'm waiting because she's protected or something to accept the request. And it's all, it's all getting a bit messy, isn't it? Wait so we can get a hangout link to her. And I don't know. She's yeah. Trying I wish your, I... She's trying to make you a first thing, mate. That's what she's <laughs> Take Ames thinks it's me dressing up like Norman Bates, but I mean, that'd be a damn sight easier than, <laughs> than trying to organise this. <laughs> I had her on a pub by now. <laughs> I know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I might have to dress up just to Ted, get it over with. Ted Bundy would go on the bed by now, man. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, maybe we'll leave that. Okay, uh, Gabe, quick one from you on Valdez, Oscar Valdez going in against Jason Sanchez. He was tough, Sanchez, 14-0, and 0, but he was quite straight up, dropped the hands a lot, and he took a lot of shots. He took them well, but he took punishment from Valdez, another pretty easy defence on the undercard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Michael Seals going in against Christopher Booker, a knockout well worth looking at. Tell me, though, Gabe, ESPN, Valdez against Sanchez. Anything from you on that one briefly? Man, I don't know that it was as easy as it as it kind of finished, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't feel like Valdez was ever really in, in too much trouble. I don't really feel like he was ever in a spot where, where he was in danger. But, I mean, I don't know. He just – he has so much potential and he has tremendous upside. But every time I watch the guy, uh, the, the last five or six fights out that he's had, you know, of course the war that he had, the broken jaw and so on with uh, – with Fatty that couldn't make weight, uh, not Frampton. Uh, fuck. Quick Quinn. Yeah, quick quick egg. Uh, I I just man, I don't think he's gonna make it for a long career. I think he fought amateur for quite a while, but I mean, I think he should have got that guy out last night. I mean, I just find myself in a position where I watch him and I'm impressed by the things that he does do. But he seems like he struggles a lot with guys that he really shouldn't have any business struggling with. Um, but I don't know, maybe if that's like a like a mental error in thinking, like for me, where am I overrating him? Or or and he's not just quite as good as I thought he was, or 
I mean, is is he fighting guys that are better than I'm giving them credit for? I don't understand why he's going in in his last couple of fights, particularly. Um, and he just he doesn't look like his mind is working um, the way that you would like to see. I mean, I think part of it the last couple was because he, he changed over and he's training with uh, uh, Alvarez's trainer. And I think maybe that's part of it. But I think he had to. You know, as much as he got his, his head knocked around through, really throughout his whole career to this point, I mean, he was not bound to have a long career. So he really had to change something. But I just – I think that he's focusing so hard on changing the way that he fights that he's not doing what he does well and what comes natural to him that he's learned to do. And I think it's a really interesting point that he's at because he's winning still, but how long is he going to keep winning and how much time does he have before his new training kind of really seeps in and, and changes the way that he fights to the point where it looks natural. Like he looks like he's thinking too much about it in the ring to me almost. And it's causing him to, fight differently than he did early on early on. I think I thought he threw a lot more combinations and I thought he threw a lot, a lot of um, really hard punches and planted, but he was getting hit too much. So I can see it both ways, but uh, I don't know. I mean, as much as I like him, I don't really wasn't that impressed last night. Uh, Sanchez was pretty tough though. Yep. Gabe's a hard man to please indeed. A few mentions for fights next week. We're not going to go in depth on these. Just briefly mentioning them. Tyrone Zeuger's back in action for the European Super Middleweight title against Adam Silvera. That's over in Germany on Saturday night. Also over in Australia, the Maloney brothers. Jason Maloney goes in against Cesar Ramirez and Andrew Maloney goes in against Ruben Montoya. Pretty low-level stuff there. Andrew is undefeated in 19 fights. Jason is 18-1. and one. They're, they're exciting. They're good value, those Maloney brothers. Hopefully see them in a big fight soon. Also, return of the weekend. What about this then? Jose Antonio Rivera. Only you hardcores will remember this guy. He was flitting in around the light middleweight scene in around the early to mid-2000s. He's 46 years of age now, so he's naturally coming back for the first time he came back after eight years out in 2018. Now he's having another fight in 2019. Why on earth 46-year-old Jose Antonio Rivera needs to be fighting in the light of what Rob was saying there with someone like Azab Judah is absolutely beyond me. He had some decent fights back in the day against the likes of Alejandro Garcia. Travis Sims, he was a good fighter. He was 24-0 at the time when he knocked out Rivera. Uh, Daniel Santos, this is real nerd stuff now. Luis Colazo. this is all the stuff I was watching when I first got into the sports. There you go. Yeah, at 46... Um, Mr. Rivera, please retire, why don't you? Okay, what else have we got then, Aussie? Let's go to you, Latvia. Soyland events, they're back in action again. The World Boxing Super Series, decent doubleheader this by all accounts. Maris Bradis, vacant WBC cruiserweight title and also the WBO cruiserweight title going in against Christoph Glavaki and the other half of the semi-final, Unil Dortico against Andrew Tabiti. That could be a good fight, actually. I'm looking forward to that. We'll be able to see, Ozzy, exactly what the likes of Tabiti is made of. He had a good win over Faifa. He's going to have to come through fire against Dortico, who can definitely punch. But I'm looking forward to these two fights. Yeah, yeah, lots to like about both of the fights. Uh, well matched. I think Bradis will have a bit too much for Glowacki. Uh, but again, th that's a quality fight. That That's a really good fight. And has the potential to basically explode into an out-and-out -out war, but I think Bradis may just be a bit too cute for him. Uh, we've, we've seen Kloaki. Um He was well beaten by Usyk, but that's his only defeat. 
Um, I thought, what's he had that five or six fight, solid win over uh, Maxim Vlasov last time out. Uh, but it was a little while ago now. When was that? Was it back in like October time or something? When they mm -hmm. boxed, it seems like it's been delayed a little while this uh, next stage. But uh, for Dortico and Tabiti, um, big step up for uh, Tabiti, I think. Like you say, it was a decent win last time out. But I think Dortico is, uh, without a doubt, his toughest test to date. And we've seen what Dortico can do. I thought he was well in the fight against Gassiev, to be honest. A uh, bit of fatigue took over and he got caught with a, a beautiful shot in the last round. But I thought he was well in the fight. And I think the cards from memory were quite close. You know, a couple of points in it, um, I think, to Gassiev. But look, he showed that he's clearly no idiot. He can punch and punch hard. Um, I'll probably edge towards Dortico in this. Uh, but again, it, the, the two evenly matched fights and... You do struggle to criticise the World Boxing Super Series because the fights they do, do produce continue to uh, produce the guts. Yep, thanks to Andy. He's done his stuff for tonight. Good man, Andrew. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything about Fury or Warrington, Andy, if you're still listening before you go in or if you need to go. That's cool. Fury, obviously, points. Warrington, I think, will probably win late stoppage. And uh, I need to go. That's the outlaws. That's the rife in Norway. So, uh, all, all the best ones, lads. Catch you later. Okay. See you next week, Andy. Thank you. Hey, I'm great. Good lad, Andy. Giving us an hour and a half straight after, straight after the business end, Rob. Do you want to say anything about Glovaki, Bradis, uh, Tabiti, and Dortico, Rob? Or do you want to move on to one of the big ones? Yeah, no, that's. that's I'm, I, watch I watch both fights. Like, I. Mm. The Super Series, I mean, the last Cruiserweight tournament was an excellent one to do, sick one, and this one has uh, you know, most of the same guys involved in it. Uh, Tabiti, Dartikos, yeah, I probably aged Dartikos on that one. And the other one is Bradis Gavaki, is it? Yep. Yeah, I go for Bradis in that one, dude. Bradis in that one. Uh, yeah, Ozzy, I'd forgotten all about Makabu Kujiashov. I think it's because it's on the Sunday, isn't it? And I've only gone up to the Saturday. That's Box Nation getting stuck straight back in. Ozzy, what do you think about Makabu? Because he was supposed to fight Perez, wasn't he, who is on the undercard? Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's on the undercard, isn't he? Um, it's difficult to judge of what how good Makabu is because, I mean, look, he was he was a favourite coming into the Bellew fight and then he just absolutely levelled off Bellew. It was a brutal knockout. Uh, I mean, I've just pulled up his record now and the fights he's had since, yeah, he stopped everybody but against relative rubbish. Uh, Ashoff as well, we've seen him. He can punch as hard as anybody, but then when he gets clocked, he goes down as well. I mean, uh, Dortico made him look like an absolute corpse on the floor when he dropped him. So, he, again, I think... I think it's fair to say this won't go the distance. And I think it's just a case of who lands first. I'd probably side with Kudryashov, but it's with no real confidence. But it's a good fight. It's a typical Box Nation card, isn't it? It'll be shown at like three o'clock in the afternoon, live from Russia. Probably a lot of random, you know, like politicians ringside in like fancy weird suits and things like that, cheering on the... Uh, uh, I mean, fucking hell! There's there's five cruiserweight fights on that uh, that card itself, and uh, and then yeah, this uh, and Mike Perez as well. I mean, I, I thought it was a valiant effort um, when he put he put in against Bradis. 
in the Super Series. Again, come back and had two, um, two wins. And now he's going on the road trying to make things happen for him. So a solid card picked up by Box Nation. And just when they're looking down and out, they get, uh, they're getting up at the nine count, aren't they? And pulling out little cards like this. Yeah, they certainly are. I think Makabu and Kudryashov is a good one because they're both uh, very flawed. They haven't really lived up to what we thought. Makabu going into Bellu, was he as good? I I'm not taking away from Bellu's win here, but in hindsight, a lot of people were building him up to being this absolute killer and he just didn't turn out that way. And Kudryashov, I suppose, the same. He got he gassed out. If he didn't bang you out in the first couple of rounds, then he had, you know, had no gas tank to speak of whatsoever. So they're both flawed fighters, so it would be an interesting one there. Right, Gabe, let's move on to the... The big stuff next weekend. Which one should we go to with you? I'm going to let you decide, Gabe. I'm going to give you the the opportunity to to guide us, to guide the narrative of episode 326 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast with Rob, with Ozzy, and also with you. Is it going to be Tyson Fury, Tom Schwartz, or Josh Warrington, Kid Galahad, Gabe? Choose your own adventure. Where do you want to go? Um, man, I don't know. Uh, I'll go with um. I'll go with uh, Fast and Fury. I'll go with that because I know oh, a bit uh, of those folks on that card a little bit better than I do some of the folks on uh, on the Warrington card who maybe Oz can help us out with or somebody else can, can be a little bit more knowledgeable about. But, um, I mean, I'm about as interested in this one. The main main event of the card, uh, I'm, I'm about as interested in that as, as – um, I haven't been in a while. I just really don't think it's going to be all that great. But I mean, I guess uh, Tom Schwartz can can uh, you know maybe get us fired up a little bit. He's a big guy, so maybe he can have some success. And I think it would be good to see um, you know just a solid all around event there. But uh, the the fight on that card that I'm really looking forward to more is the uh, Sullivan Barrera Jesse Hart fight. So you know I know that Jesse Hart's gotten some some uh jeers from folks uh i know that not a lot of folks are are real high on him but i think that he fights with a certain kind of of um i don't know how to say it maybe maybe he has a certain kind of heart that he tries to fight with uh he's not really all that great a fighter i don't feel like um is he he's not bad by any stretch of the imagination but i just feel like he's got a lot of a lot of shortcomings that, that he'd really need to shore up. Um, and whenever he's on, he does. Okay. Uh, but I think I'm interested to see that one because I feel like Sullivan Barrera has kind of been a guy that's been, you know, in the, uh, in and out of the discussion of, of, of guys on in the, uh, lot heavy division. And he just kind of gets shuffled around and kind of forgotten about. Um, and, and I kind of like watching him fight. So, I think that one has a potential to be a pretty good fight. Um, really, the rest of the card, I, I'm about as excited about that one as I am the undercard of the uh, uh, Leeds card. You know, I don't, um, you know, not to make it sound like those guys are bad. I don't think anybody that's fighting on those cards. That's exactly what you're making it sound like, Gabe. Awful. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to make sure I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, I know it comes across that way, so I'm, that's why I'm going ahead and putting that disclaimer out there. Um, I'm just I, as far as is people that I've gotten to see, people that I know a little bit about in terms of excited for the card. No, I'll watch them, but I'm not, you know, thrilled and wound up and ready to go for it. You know, it's just not really to me all that exciting. You know, if I was talking about um, 
a card that that's exciting to me to watch would be uh, there's one out in Japan. I think it's I think it's next week, uh, maybe the week after. Um, but uh, Kazuto Aoka is going to be back, uh, and there's a couple other fights on that card. Um, but that'll be one that that I'm really honestly a little bit more interested in than 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 this one, just from what I know of other cards that's going to be on there and there's some other ones but okay, uh, we're, get, we're getting you slightly robotic so i'll tell you what give me the your predictions for fury main event and warrington galahad then uh, just in case we lose you okay sounds good um doesn't sound good <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go with uh kid dickhead okay Gabe's been unplugged. You right there, Gabe? Sorry, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> the Illuminati are trying to get to you, man. <laughs> they are. God damn it, Dr. Jail got it started. Um, I'm going to go with Kid Dickhead for a win there. Uh, I'm going to say I'm gonna say he's going to decision him. And then I'm going to go with uh, Fury over Schwartz. And then I'm going to go with uh, Sullivan Barrera in the uh, uh, second from top out of that card, too. Um, that's mine. Passive Fury is going to win by knockout in six. Mm. There you go, Rob. On to you, then, I suppose. In the light of uh, Anthony Joshua getting beaten, which obviously we didn't expect, and Deontay Wilder knocking out Dominic Brazil in a round and looking so impressive, Rob, how does this change Tyson Fury's mindset? Does he have to do anything differently, or will he not give a shit? I don't think he really give a shit. I think it's just been uh, a handy soundbite for him this week, saying, you know, if I don't come in 100%, Tom Swartz going to knock me out like Ruiz did to Joshua. I think what we're seeing with Fury... This time, maybe for the first time ever in his career, is that he looks in complete, completely good shape. I mean, even against Klitschko, he was still a little bit um, tubby. And against Wilder, he hadn't shifted all the way. But now he looks uh, incredible. Um, so from that perspective, I think anything less than a stoppage from Fury does not, is not going to look great for him. It's not going to boost his stock. I don't think he can, he's going to look good by going out and... Um, Preserving the win first with a, a boring performance that stinks the joint out, like where he doesn't get touched. And as much as I like looking at that style, I don't think that's going to do much for his stock. But if we're to believe the rumors that the uh, Wilder two fights already been signed, um, and they're going to announce it after he beats Schwartz, or maybe announce one more fight, um, so the two of them have to keep winning. Um, I would think I haven't seen much of Schwartz, but I'm I'm just going to say that um, I think Fury comes up with the late stoppage. Um, but I'm not like pro-Fiori, anti-AJ or anything like that. I haven't really liked any of this shit that Fiori's been going on with, going on the road, doing these uh, spoken tours. I mean, my woman asked me that I want to go to, to Dunfermline to see Tyson, an audience with Tyson Fiori. I said, what? You're, you must be out of your mind. You'd rather go to an audience with Terry Flanagan and Jason Chukwu? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, he's talking about, like, I'm, there is one There is one interesting connotation is how has this... Um, knocked down by Wilder affected him. I mean, has he stayed hit? Because regardless of him getting up, that was a hell of a, of a two-punch combination that he shipped in the 12th round. Like, So it could have its long-term effects down the road. Um, you know, some fighters get dropped like that and they're not the same again. So 
I don't believe that's going to be the case, but it's an, an interesting one to, to kind of factor in uh, when talking about shocks and upsets. be interesting to see what he's like if Schwartz does manage to land something on him and how he responds to that. Um, in terms of the Warrington fight versus Galahad, I think Galahad has got a tricky style, but I think Warrington's just going to be too much for him. I think he's just going to have too much um, in the tank, too much energy, throw too many punches and be close to him um, throughout the whole fight. So I think Warrington could win that one wide on the cards. Um, but good to see Big Fury back. But I would, uh, being honest, I would rather see him in a, in a fight where he has a live dog. I, I would give him a gimme um, after the Wilder fight. But anything less than a top opponent next, they're not going to be happy. Like. One thing I think is interesting, Rob, regarding the heavyweights. I saw Vicky Hatton putting up, I think it was on the Daily Mirror or something website, uh, Tyson Fury is now more popular than Anthony Joshua, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily popularity. I think between the three of them, him, Wilder and Joshua, they're all going for see who can find the virtue signaling moral high ground against each other the quickest, yeah. really. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like, I mean, uh, look, I don't, but I'm not really buying the, the, the consolation from Fury as well either on, on Twitter. Like, he was back talking shit about him again within a couple of days. So They're all full of shit, aren't yeah, they? All three yeah, of them. They're completely disingenuous, the three of them. Absolutely. I'd agree. Like, I mean, Fury, I buy AJ's stay humble persona about as much as I buy Fury's uh, goody two-shoes, one that he's adopted since uh, um, his comeback. So, look, look, I I just want to see them fight each other, to be honest with you. It's just, um, this was this is livening it up. This, this result last week is completely reinvigorated the heavyweight division because it was boring as shit like before that like we, we were basically sitting out 2019 all of us um, and, and not expecting to see any drama or any kind of excitement with just routine wins for the three of them so that's put a spanner in the works I don't envisage another one coming on Saturday but I want to see some big fights announced next yeah, Ozzy, regarding Fury, the fact that AJ lost and the fact that we believe, despite what Frank says, the Fury-Wilders fight, if not signed on the dotted line, is signed and agreed in principle, that there is no pressure on Fury at all. To He can go and stick the joint out against Tom Schwartz as much as he wants to because he knows that the big fight is coming. Wilder will bring the excitement, whether he likes it or not. And like I said, AJ just got knocked out, so he has every reason to go out and, like I said, stick the place out. But he's not going to do that. He'll, he'll blast this Goonie out inside, probably four or five rounds. Uh, people are saying, oh, he needs to be wary, you know, like, because of what we saw with Ant- with Anthony Joshua and uh, Andy Ruiz. Hang on, there's fucking levels we're talking about here. Andy Ruiz wasn't some no marker they've pulled off a street corner or from a local boozer. This guy was a very good amateur and lost a debatable decision for a world title. Tom Schwartz was going life and death with Senad Gashi until he got Gashi got disqualified. And that's probably his best win. So the fight is a mockery of pay-per-view. Uh, we, we get all this bollocks about how you know pay-per-views needed for the big fights. Well, Tyson Fury against Tom Schwartz is the complete opposite. This is not a big fight. I understand they want to do some profile building in America. Fine, nothing against that. But don't go and put it on pay-per-view, uh, particularly in the UK as well, because who the hell is going to spend money watching this? Because I won't be. I'd literally rather burn 20 quid than give 20 quid to this because it's a disgrace. Uh, I've no interest in it. and It's a poor fight, one that, like, yeah, it's kept Fury in shape, and I'm pleased with that because if he bloomed up again, he's just back to square one. 
it has kept him in shape. But are we going to learn anything new about Tyson Fury if he beats Tom Schwartz? Not at all. No, I don't see Schwartz posing any sort of threat. And it's I just see this merely a tick-over fight heading into the next one, which will probably be in what September October time before taking on Wilder early New Year. At the undercard as well, Barrera Hart's a pretty decent fight. Yeah, it's all right though. Yeah, I like that one. Good fight. Um, you know what you're getting from Sullivan Barrera, and it's, look, it's 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 close. It's a close. It's a close fight, lads. But it's a, it's certainly better than the main event. Um, really close. Uh, but maybe side with heart, but difficult one to call. Uh, difficult one to call. Uh, and then jumping over to Leeds. Uh, good little card. This uh, good card. Again, just talking about pay-per-view there, I think if this sort of fight was on Sky, it certainly would be on pay-per-view. We've seen lesser fights like this put on pay-per-view. And I think uh, a domestic Leeds against Sheffield world title fight would be put on pay-per-view. So, so Ozzy, if you, if, you, if you don't subscribe right to BT Sport and you buy the Tyson Fury uh, pay-per-view, does this get included? Uh, no. Um, no, I don't think so. No, it's nothing to do. The two separate shows, aren't they? Sure. It was it was made uh, it was made a while it was reported a while ago. Like you know, if you buy if you buy the Fury, you get to subscribe. But no, I don't think it's anything. I like. thought they would give you access to this. You see, well, how on earth can they justify that then? Fury against Schwartz at three o'clock in the morning for twenty quid. I've got to. I've, sl I've I know I've criticised him, but it wouldn't shock me if BT's hands are tied. Mm. You know, and it's part of this deal that. He wants to be seen as a pay-per-view fighter. But like we say, Pink Tyson's a pay-per-view fighter. Mick Hennessy charging like £1.50 on YouTube. So yeah, It's like an image cool. thing, like Tyson like gives the yeah, perception of being a have-to-be pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would rather fight on, you know, like free, free view or something like that where millions of people can watch me and then build a profile where then you can take those numbers over to pay-per-view rather than just going behind a paywall now saying, oh, yeah, I box on pay-per-view. Yeah, but who gives a shit if fucking 15,000 people buy it? Like, well, what sort of that? You take the piss out of DAZN, but DAZN will, probably get, DAZN will probably get more viewing figures from that Joshua Povetkin fight than this Fury, um, Fury Schwartz one will in the UK. Uh, but, but, yeah, jumping over to, to Leeds, I think Warrington Galahad's a decent fight. Uh, I think Warrington will stop Galahad in six rounds. I think Galahad will freeze. Uh, it's the first time he's on the real big stage. I know he's boxed on Sky and things like that, but he's had a stop-start career and not really been in any massive fights. I see him in front of like a raucous Leeds crowd. I think it's nigh on sold out up there. The atmosphere they create is unbelievable. I've been to the arena before, you know, for like lesser fights, and the atmosphere is excellent then. And I see Galahad freezing. I think Warrington will overwhelm him and we'll get him out of there. Uh, a while back, I remember seeing a fight between Kid Galahad and Jazza Dickens. And Jazza Dickens was beating Kid Galahad and essentially just emptied his tank. And he got, Dickens got out of there, uh, was stopped with about three three rounds to go or something like that. So, oh, Galahad, yeah, I forgot about that fight. That was on Channel 5. Yeah, it was, yeah. No. So, Galahad's got this, like, somewhat awkward style but he's one of them like just 
this is the first time since winning his world title, Warrington's going in in as, fa in as a favourite. And I expect him to live up to the billing. I don't think he's taken Galahad lightly. Would have been easy to do so, but I don't think he has. And I think we'll see another excellent performance. You've got Warrington coming off two world-class wins, fighting in his own backyard against a lad from down the road. I just can't see him, you know, slipping up. And I think Warrington knows a win here really does open the doors up. He's no mandatories in the way. And his next fight realistically will be a unification. So I expect Warrington to do the good. to do Unification with who do you think, Ozzy, if you had to put your money on it? I would probably say Oscar Valdez, um, the WBO holder. Uh, but do we not think Valdez is supposed to be moving up to super featherweight, whether it'll happen or not? And then Frampton sort of jumps in there. That's then the talk. It will, be, it will be the winner of whoever Frampton boxes, mm. and you will see that WBO winner. Don't see Warrington wanting to fight Gary Russell, uh, being brutally honest. Um, but I think he would take the Santa Cruz fight, without a doubt. Mm. Again, I just don't see that happening. Um, so I think the top-ranked WBO route with, obviously, Frank's connections as well is the obvious option. But boxing's full of surprises, and you never know. A uh, couple of really good fights on the undercard as well. Zelfa Barra, uh, Leon Woodstock, great fight. Brilliant Commonwealth title fight. Two evenly matched lads. Barra obviously suffering his first defeat against uh, Ronnie Clark. Big upset. And uh, likewise, Leon Woodstock suffered a defeat back end of last year as well against Archie Sharp. Uh, neither, I think both of them have had like one warm-up fight and the straight back in at the deep end. And... Again, I don't think a loss here signals the end of a career for anybody. And it's it's making the Commonwealth title fight worthy again. I think recently we've seen, you know, just like these random blokes come up from like all sorts of different other countries. Whereas Barrett Woodstock is a perfectly good fight for the, the Commonwealth title. And likewise is uh, JJ Metcalf against Jason Wellborn, another quality fight. And one that I think Wellborn could certainly... Um, I'd have to check the odds, but I would suspect he is the underdog in this. And one that I'd probably side with Wellborn. Uh, saw Metcalf live against Damon Jones, and he did stop Jones, but bloody hell, he gets punched for it. Was he Shaneer's son? He used to be yeah, called correct. him Kid Shamrock. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's him. So, big lad for, um, for 154, but doesn't move his head. And like I said, he got tagged a hell of a lot. And. Look, well, Wellborn was Wellborn was reborn again, really, wasn't he? I mean, he suffered all those losses and then went on the road and upset, you know, a couple of apple carts and then got that ridiculous title shot against Jarrett Hurd. Started the Jarrett Hurd decline. I think he beat that much yeah, edge. Well, J-Rock yeah, finished that, the job. That's the thought coming out of the Midlands, uh, Steve, that despite Wellborn uh, ending up on the wrong side of a, a stoppage loss, it was the three rounds prior to that that, Dented the confidence of Heard, so props to Jason Wellborn, and he's now in for a short bit of a come down. But he's gone from boxing for uh, what was it, a couple of world titles to uh, the Commonwealth title in Leeds. But three good fights, uh, there's some good prospects on the undercard as well. Lyndon Arthur, one upset to look out for. Camille Sokolowski is going in against Alex Dickinson at heavyweight over eight rounds. Sokolowski is a match for anybody who is untested at heavyweight. And Dickinson is, he's had the usual suspects in, but Sokolowski is a hell of a lot better than his record suggests. So 
if you can get some odds on it, he's definitely worth a punt on the outright market because I think you'll get probably three to one or something like that. A hundred percent worth a punt because it's rare you see Sokolowski get stopped. Uh, he can he can punch. I mean, he had a close fight with Lucas Brown uh, last time he was out as well. I think he got beat by a point. So that's uh, a potential upset on the cards there. Camille Sokolowski against Alex Dickinson. Well said, Ozzy. Comprehensive breakdown of the undercard, as always, while we're moving on to the Bellu of the Weeks. On Warrington Galahad, I might be an outlier here, but I have a feeling that Galahad might do a little bit better than people expect. I think he's tough enough, tricky enough, and he's got experience enough to maybe... I know the big... The, Ozzy's right about the big stage here in Leeds and all that. You know, it's probably going to be Kansas Super Kestrel and beach balls flying in the ring and all that type of stuff. He could freeze under the lights uh, under the big occasion, but I think he might go the distance, actually. And you might see a 117, 111, maybe even 116, 112 in Warrington's favour. I think Galahad could, could hang in there. But then again, I've been wrong many, many times. So there you go. Uh, also, yeah, before we go on to Bellews, Ozzy, people are talking about the Anthony Yard situation. Uh, Tundi to train Anthony Joshua maybe Ozzy what about that one just came to me well yeah Steve like you said uh, you're a award winning for a reason so I think suggestions <laughs> like that need to be taken on board uh, so yeah you, you could be the missing link between Anthony Joshua and his future trainer <laughs> get him in there for Tundi but no um, I saw people, a couple of people mentioning in the chat about what's going on uh have it on basically 100% sure that Anthony Yard signed his part of the contract to go and fight in Russia uh, in a couple of weeks' time. It was signed quite a while ago now. Um, they came to a deal uh, for the fight to happen in Russia. Huge money, absolutely huge money. Uh, would have been by far Yard's biggest payday and would have been the north end of uh, six, uh, top end of six figures pushing. Uh, into the early sevens uh, but sadly despite contracts being signed uh, Yard signed up for the VADA uh, testing for the camp as well uh, the funds just haven't materialised from the the Russian side and the fight is now back out to purse bids so I think those bids take place on Tuesday so certainly want to keep an eye out on uh, I, for one, have criticised Anthony Yard for his opponent choice, as have many others before, but I won't criticise him for this. He stepped up to the mark, he signed everything he could for this fight, and um, sadly it's down to uh, the lack of funds from the Russian side, why it's not happening in two weeks. So like we said, the bids are going ahead on Tuesday. I wouldn't be shocked if Frank ends up winning this. He it didn't go to bids last time, and essentially... The money was too good to turn down to travel. I wouldn't now be shocked if he does put some sort of bid together that looks to bring Kovalev over here. Could be wrong again. Uh, may, on, may end up in America. But one thing's for sure is I do think we'll see the fight happen, sadly, just later than expected. Isn't there some talk, though, that Kovalev is going to go into some light heavyweight tournament, um, something like the Super Series, and that's what's delaying it? Yeah, but I don't think you can do that. How, how can you just... But you know, like chuck away a mandatory for that. Yeah, I don't think well, you can. I, I unless the sanctioning bodies are getting behind it or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that, I think that's the only way that that would happen. That you'd have the WBO, WBA, IBF, and WBC all come together, uh, which would mean obviously all the champions um, going into this tournament plus 
the thing is though with that, I wouldn't even bother with having two others in. I just have you just have your top four and then just stick them in against each other. You know, rather than having a, a six, you may as well have two semi-finals and a final. You know, to get all the belts on the line. But I don't think you'll be able to do that. I'm sure there'll be legal consequences. You know that if he just essentially just sacks off this manager, it's been ordered as well. You know, it's not as if he's in a situation. You know, it hasn't been ordered, and he's just sat at the top of the rankings, which. Like Dillian White's been set at the top of the rankings, but he's never actually been named officially mandatory and that mandatory called. Whereas Yard has and it's gone out to purse bids. So unless he takes, you know, like he gets offered huge step aside money, you know, and a potential guaranteed fight against, you know, like the winner of the tournament, I think that's the only way they would um mm. you know consider, you know, like stepping aside. Otherwise, Look, they, they clearly want this fight. It's it's bizarre for for his the way he's been matched to then just take a huge step up to Kovalev, but they clearly fancy it. And the fact that they were willing to travel to Russia, it's either a master plan for where they were cashing out and that they were making the money in this, and that was that, or they genuinely believe that they can, regardless of where the venue is, they can go there and do a job on Kovalev. Really intriguing. A really intriguing fight. The, the the obvious situation is is that Yard gets absolutely leathered and stopped and ends up somebody ends up looking like a mug. But there, it, the intriguing thing is is just how confident they are, and they clearly have seen something in Kovalev that Yard can expose and take advantage of. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure actually. Um, it's going to end up a, a vacant WBO, I think. I mean, people suggesting that Kovalev's running... I don't think Kovalev is shit, to be honest with you. He probably just fight whoever's, whoever's put in front of him. But I, it would have been intriguing to see how Yard would have get, got on against him. But, you know... It's not his contract, though, Kovalev, though, Steve. Yeah. Every, That's what I mean, but people are suggesting, like, there's... You know, he's, he doesn't fancy it, or he's, there's some kind of drug issues. Sure, or, but, you know. Well, if you're talking drug issues, then, yeah, I can get that, but... I don't buy this bollocks that he doesn't fancy it. The guy's been in the ring with Andre Ward twice and has fought, you know, like, the, essentially the best of the best. He's not going to be worried about Anthony Yard. Mm, exactly. What, realistically. But if Kovalev does vacate, for whatever reason, number two in line is Gilberto Ramirez. So I assume, unless Frank Paul's an absolute worldie, that it would be... Yard against Ramirez for the vacant WBL title. For, for Yard, it's just his lack of experience. I mean, people uh, people often uh, sort of paint Kovalev as this crude type of banger and all that, but if he's there against Yard, tapping him up to the jab upstairs, downstairs, hitting him on his arms, I just don't know how Yard can last oh. into six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds with that kind of physique, that lack of experience. I don't know what his gas tank's like, those those big man boobs. He, surely his arms are going to be knackered and once they come down and Kovalev has free reign at the chin, oh, yeah. I, you know, I just don't want to see how he can beat him. No, I, I don't. Unless, literally, he just he stops him. I think that's the only way he beats him. I, unless he puts on this, you know, it's true, this this boxing masterclass, which we've not seen today, and which would again be a huge upset and a shock. The only other way you can see it is that, you know, he just, he goes in there and he just, he somehow irons Kovalev out, you know, and pretty quickly. But mm. I agree. It's just his lack of experience going into the fight just seemingly makes him an eye on what? What would you give him? 
ten percent chance, something like that, ten percent, twenty percent at best. So a huge, huge underdog. But like I say, it's either a brilliant cash out where they're going to make you know a truckload of money going going to Russia or wherever, or they genuinely believe they can go there and win the fight. It's like Snake Hip says in the chat. It's just a shame, isn't it, that we just couldn't see Yard against Buatzi for for the British title? Just be great. Yeah, that's never going to happen, though. That it's the... like Snake. Oh, there's me again. Don't hear oh, too many of mine. There's there's too many there's too many permutations, isn't there? Mm. In terms of stopping that, there's just too many permutations in uh, that wouldn't Matri wouldn't allow it, and likewise, I don't think Frank would either. Uh, unless they could make it for some sort of world title where I think obviously both fighters would jump into it. Um, but yeah, it, it's a great fight I'd love to see. But I think it's fair to say that both certainly see themselves beyond British level and they won't be contesting it for that belt. Yeah, no. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, Ozzy's right. It's gone to belly of the weeks, everybody, and then we shall finish up for another week. Quite a few, as you would imagine. Rob's still with us. Ozzy's still with us. They're dropping like flies here. Let's go before it's just me talking on my own. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, Len Ganley has nominated Eddie Hearn Raw on YouTube. Joshua defeat. Brutal honesty. Ruiz win. MSG debut. Nomination for an IFL video with Eddie there. Coogan was trying to get hold of Eddie all week. I'm ready when you are, says Eddie. Gorilla Casey's jumped in. Don't rush AJ in there again, Eddie. Get AJ Floyd Sr., Freddie Roach or Hunter or he is done. Box Royalty nominated him for that. Jasper has nominated Jez Asfor, talking to Paul Smith Jr. Paul, I would be really interested to know from a fighter's perspective, would the time difference have made an impact on AJ's performance, obviously? He was fighting at 4am. Even with time to adapt, that's got to screw with your head, says Jez. Don't know if he was trolling there or not. Something's definitely not right. Dillian White went in on AJ. Slime Sunday with a conspiracy theory. This wasn't right. He then put a picture of AJ getting something put in his lips. He thinks it was ketamine taken orally. And then he put up a picture of what ketamine does to you. And then AJ with his eyes closed and some black lips. Looks like it's been photoshopped there. So the conspiracy theories are reigning in. Ian has nominated Anthony Fowler being taken to the cleaners by Lennox Lewis. Uh, yeah, Lennox was uh, basically getting old Fowler on the job this week and owning him. Uh, Box Royalty has nominated Amir Khan. Michael Benson reported Amir Khan will be trained by Alex Ariza and Clarence Bones Adams, former IBO champion, everybody, for his July the 12th bout against Niraj Guyat in Saudi Arabia. Prince Patel will fight for the vacant IBO bantamweight title on the undercard. Uh, loving that one then, Ozzy, I suppose, the vacant IBO bantamweight title, as someone else suggested later on in Belly of the Weeks. We could see a unification with Inoue if uh, Patel keeps on lifting these belts. Um, realistically, we all know who holds the money belt as well, and it isn't the man from Japan. It is the prince himself, Prince Patel. Prince Patel going for the IBO. Porky's Corner was going for AJ. No apologies, no excuses, it said on the T-shirt. I don't want to hear about any other votes for Bell End of the Week, chaps. This is the biggest dosser. Femi wins it, says Porky. Uh, Dominic has nominated... Uh, who is it? Asif Valley. This is a strong one. Talking to IFL. Khan didn't quit against Crawford. He was confused, says Asif Valley. If he didn't think that was good enough, he then went on to say he wants to unite India and Pakistan. That, that, I, I'm all for that. They should give him a one-way ticket to Kashmir and stick him in there and see how old Asif can get on. I wonder how his bare-knuckle boxing 
organization went. We don't hear too much about that these days. Also on IFL, Alex Ariza and the aforementioned Clarence Bones Adams nominated again by Dominic. Khan can beat Crawford in a rematch. He will be a world champion again, said uh, Ariza. Uh, ben Thorns has nominated Anthony Fowler. Anthony Fowler tweeted out, It's funny how people who've never had a fight in their lives are sending this video around having a good laugh at the heavyweight champion of the world. Obviously, it was the picture of AJ Soul getting on the British Airways flight. This country, says Anthony, is full of negative people waiting for successful people to fail so they can point the finger and laugh. Hashtag pathetic. Of course, Anthony there, not wanting to draw attention to this, put the video up in full below. He might as well have put please retweet, like and share, because we all know what he was doing there. He was trying to virtue signal, we'll also pick up retweets and followers, Anthony. We're on to you, Rob. Anthony would know what that felt like if he was ever successful. <laughs> not a hate for Anthony. Uh, Sam from Against the Ropes Boxing also nominated him. He's just uh, wanting retweets. He's been doing this for years. Nicking the old viral videos. Well done, Sam. We agree with that. Boxing UK, uh, Prince Patel, arguably the most active boxer around, will be fighting for the IBO Bantamweight title on the undercard of the Khan versus Goyat show. Doyle's nominated this, as I mentioned earlier. If Prince Patel wins, does that mean the possibility of a future undisputed clash against Naoa Inoue? Hashtag boxing, hashtag all the marbles. There won't be too many marbles left. I wouldn't have thought if Patel ever got in with Inoue. Um, Steve Bunce was on fine form this week. They were talking about the amount of streams. Apparently, a million people or whatever streamed the Anthony Joshua Ruiz fight, and there were various arguments going back and forward. Somebody put out a message saying that it was getting too expensive. You're having to pay twice, once for Sky Sports, and then also for the pay-per-view on top of it. Well, Lloyd Brooks wasn't happy. He didn't understand this concept that you would pay a subscription to Sky and also for the pay-per-view. Pay twice, he said. You don't pay twice. You only pay once. I paid once and it was the best. 1995, I'd spent in a while. Two of the fights were historic classics. I'm assuming there, Rob, he's talking about Coyle Algeri and um, <laughs> maybe Buatzi against Periban. Belly of the week for me, by the way, because I said Terry Coyle had a chance, right? But I don't know what was wrong. I was thinking of Terry Flanagan. <laughs> 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 and then I saw him on the post fight interview. I was like, oh shit, I got it wrong. I was like, oh. <laughs> I just had a, a, a momentary uh, mental lapse there. Uh, taking L's on the pod, Rob. Well done. You're willing to own up to it. That's the main thing. Right. Uh, Sam has nominated Steve Lumley. Connor Ben was tweeting out about being back in training. Steve jumped in. Good luck, young man. Seems a long time since we were debating the Olympics or going professional, if I remember rightly. Well, you don't remember rightly, Steve. We were never debating going to the Olympics for Connor Ben. <laughs> Maybe going professional, I suppose. Nomination from Sam there. This is a cracker. Going to enjoy this one, everybody. John Swan, friend of the pod. Shout out to John. Also, patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. John's over there. Why aren't you? He sent in this message on the Pound for Pound podcast, which apparently is Spencer and a guy called Jake. Who is the best fighter of recent times never to have won a world title, said Spencer. Jake Wood jumped in. Maybe Lewis Ritson. <laughs> the best fighter of recent times never to have won a world title. Jake Wood suggested <laughs> Lewis Ritson. <laughs> Never, never heard of Harold Graham. This fella, obviously, fucking hell. <laughs> oh dear, that we had some, we had some lols on Twitter over that one. Here we are. Buncey was in fine form. Captain Chunk was one of many people who nominated him. Thanks to everybody else who who threw him in as well. But it was it was Ian at Captain Chunk seventeen who got to me first. So 
I've screenshotted his. Steve Bunce was talking about the streams. What if a fighter dies in a pay-per-view fight, says Bunce. Well done to the million who robbed boxers of the money they risk their life for. The bo dead boxers' families suffer. Please think. And then Bunsey went on the offensive. You always know when he's under pressure, when he's under the cosh, because any comments, when he replies to them, he doesn't just say his piece. He adds something in like, idiot, dickhead, fanny, or, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. you know, bum. <laughs> <laughs> like as if AJ starving with his 80 million. You know, they did a bit of uh, a rent a crowd for that. They flew a lot. JD Sports flew a lot of people over to Madison Square Garden. Uh, all expenses paid uh, for tickets for the fight to fill up the arena so maybe it wasn't as a, a big of a box office smash as they were letting on so maybe you know if you're continuing down these piracy ways if you must insist on this piracy think about the good people of JD Sports who might not be able to fly out 200 people from London first class uh, to watch uh, AJ at Madison Square Garden what about them? What about them Rob? He's throwing out all the questions here to you guys in the chat. Lee the Alcoholic Frotch says, John Swan and Richard Swig are also my aliases. Quite right, Lee, you've got me. Emily Rogerson is another one. And also, Dr. Joseph Ajayo is one of my aliases as well. So if you ever thought I wasn't talented, go back to half eight till ten to nine and listen to the job that I've done there. A proper Punch and Judy show nomination for Jake Wood anyway and also for Steve Bunce. This is a good one here. Boxing Kingdom, we're throwing out. This is our top five pound for pound in the UK, says Boxing Kingdom. Number one, Josh Taylor. Number two, Callum Smith. Number three, Josh Warrington. Number four, Tyson Fury. Number five, Billy Joe Saunders. That's fine. Leave your list, top five, below. In jumped Michael Bramich. Not quite getting what on earth was going on. I think he sent this tweet after he just fallen down the stairs or something. So, okay, he sent in a top six. <laughs> number one, Fury. Number two, Devin Haney. Number three, Katie Taylor. <laughs> number four, John Ryder. Number five, Callum Smith. And number six, Katie Taylor again. So... <laughs> I'm not quite sure what Michael Bramich was up to, but he's thrown in Katie Taylor twice and Devin Haney into his top six pound for pound in the UK. So congratulations to him. Ted Barrett, 94, jumped all over that one. Can't really argue with his logic. Uh, Sam Kinsella put up a picture as well of Tony Bellew on the back of his truck. Air freight supplies. It's showtime, it said, and the big picture of the bomber. Daniel Beckham, Bellew of the week, if you see that one coming along. Maybe you'll get a honk of the horn like the Eddie Stobart. Just leave him alone. Stop putting him up on billboards on the back of trucks. He just has to be left alone. Stop driving him up the M2. <laughs> oh, God. Some bad ones this week. Uh, Brian King, friend of the pod, friend of another pod indeed. They're back with a bang. Has nominated Patsy Ward. Uh, talking about Lennox Lewis. Tyson Fury would beat him, but it would be tyrannical. Tyson would be too fast for him. Okay. Uh, Ultra Tech Sports Raw. Talking about Gorman against Dubois, Moz jumped in, preempting a value of the week for himself. Gorman's upper body and head movement will be too much for Triple D. Safety pin Johnson showed the flaws, and Gorman will exploit them. If I'm wrong, I'll put myself up for value of the week, says Moz. We'll try and remember that one. You might have to remind me. Uh, Brian King has nominated Pugilist King. On popular opinion, says Pugilist, had Ali fought Tyson Fury, Vladimir Klitschko, or Anthony Joshua, I feel he would lose to each one of them. Based on their styles, I'd say their styles would probably be too much for him in his current form. Anyway, Pugilist, you got that one right. Uh, Brian King has nominated Tom Gray. It was hard not to be delighted for Andy Ruiz last week and admire his level of performance. But, says Tom, for me, he owes Anthony Joshua a fight on UK soil. He was given the opportunity. Yeah, he should give it back, blah, blah, blah. What a Gavin Steve. That, by the way. Absolutely. You're not agreeing with that one? No, you're not digging that, Oz, you know? You what? Not, what you, you think that... Ruiz should give Joshua a fight in the UK. 
Well, this is what Tom. This is what Tom Gray's saying. You know, I wouldn't want to disagree with him. I was. Can't give a fuck what he said. <laughs> what a lot of bollocks that is. I'm seeing Eddie Hearn. <laughs> Oh, he should give him. He should give him uh, the respect and go to the UK. Why? It was Eduardo and Anthony who chose to go to America and fight Jarrell Miller. They didn't yeah. go for the benefit of Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz stepped up to the plate and saved their fucking show to fight Anthony Joshua, regardless of where the venue was. So to then go, oh, give us the chance to go and fight in the UK. Why? Absolute load of rubbish, that. Yeah, I think Andy should stay where he is, man. I don't think I think he should do everything in his power to get that rematch in the states. Yeah, because Eddie's already saying it; he's preempting it. You know, I think he has a bigger advantage in the UK. You know what I mean? We've seen his AJ scorecards in the UK, and so I'm one of the scorecards from last Saturday. By the way, absolutely abysmal having him around up, abysmal. So yeah, I'd be if I was Ruiz, I'd be trying to live in America. Hundred percent, yeah. And you know what? Every time the uh, send an offer uh, with the, the venue of like Wembley or Cardiff or something like that, I'd just send it back with empty Snickers wrappers before I was basking. <laughs> Snickers because he's there uh, headline sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Very salty with the old Snickers. Uh, we should get Snickers spon sponsoring us. Anyway, uh, Gavin Stevens has nominated Gary Page. Oh, this is a good one from Gary Page. Fuck Andy Ruiz, the rubber dinghy, he says. Them belts are coming back to England in the rematch. And if you're English and you ain't behind AJ, then it's people like you the reason this country is fucked. Every single English man and woman should be behind him, like we are our national football team. Yeah, Rob, why are you not behind AJ, brother? Come on. Eddie, Eddie said if you're a member of the British Empire and you're not behind AJ, you're a bad person. So I'm looking <laughs> for him. I'm not a member of the British Empire. <laughs> I'm not behind AJ. Well, never mind, AJ. Get behind Pagey. He says, personally, my favourite heavyweight is the White Rhino. He put that in the tweet below. You know the way sometimes when you have a tweet, go viral, Rob, and you put your, your, your SoundCloud link or your something else below. Well, he put, <laughs> my favourite heavyweight is the White Rhino. I don't think he quite jumped on the opportunity. Yeah, well, I don't know. There's, uh, there's all sorts out there, isn't there? Uh, he's a rhino -ish. So, good luck to him. Good luck to him, indeed. Uh, Brian has nominated Danny Vans. I just purchased the, ja the Zab Judah pay-per-view tonight. Oh, my God. Zab Judah was pay-per-view. $15. What the hell? I have to watch my one-year-old son tonight anyway. I wasn't going anywhere. Something to watch. Always have liked Zab Judah. There you go. F $15 it was to see Zab. Hope he, hope well, he got a good payday. Well, that's $15 they made out of that fight then. <laughs> that's at least one. Danny Vans. Uh, Jamie Mack has nominated Joseph Ajayo, THD, PhD, friend of the pod. Thank you, Jamie. Love you loads, said Joseph. Jamie wasn't too happy about that. Final one I've got, everybody. Josh Taylor put up a tweet with his better half. Off to a wedding, but I can't seem to find my belt for my trousers. You think this one will do? He then put up a picture of him with his IBF title. Well, the Whitman's light ship wasn't too happy. He said, shit rug. He wasn't, he wasn't happy about the furnishing in Josh Taylor's house. Hashtag belly of the week. Hashtag get a new rug. So, so, I don't even know why I'm laughing. Where, where on earth would he care about, about the carpet, the rug that Josh Taylor was standing on the neck? You know, levels. There's levels to this shit. You see the, see the carpets Mayweather has? Levels. Oh, man. I need to go to bed. Uh, yeah, that's all the, the ones I've got. Ozzy, have you got any to throw in? Negative, nothing for me. Negative for Mozzie. There's a few I'm liking this week, Rob. I'm liking Jake Wood saying that Lewis Ritson is the best fighter in recent years. 
the best British fighter not to win a world title. I'm liking Gary Page as well, getting all patriotic on your ass. Uh, Tom Gray, that was a popular one. Just flicking through them. Bellew on the back of a air freight yeah, specialist truck. Michael Bramich <laughs> not quite getting the 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 concept behind a top five UK pay per view, and also Bunsey as well was on fine form. Any nominations first of all, Rob? Yeah, I think um, I think the Lewis the Lewis written one's probably the funniest of them um, this week. But no, just for AJ with his his social media campaign like that that YouTube video. I, mean, I know I spoke about it already. But, like, for fuck's sake, could you imagine Chavez Sr. sitting down on Monday after losing to Frankie Randall saying, right, Don, get me in front of a camera right now and get me a pair of shorts too small for me. I need to put things right in the public eye. He's just a fucking, it's just a, you know, he's just far too concerned with vanity, like, and just being a social media king up on his bike riding around New York with a big smile on his face. He just got smashed to bits, like, go, hide, go back to the gym. You know, all this Mayweather shit, this stunting on social media, that's good. But you are Mayweather is a gym rat. <laughs> he lived in the gym like you fucking. He's he's working harder than everybody else. All right, he's, you see the see him on twenty four seven, and he's driving through McDonald's. Fucking, he's doing it like yeah. And we've said it before, Rob. You know, they all copy Floyd, but they miss the most vital component behind his success. Exactly, hard work, dedication. All work is what easy work. Well, not if you're out in fucking Miami doing your training camp. So yeah, just that video just really just didn't sit well with me. So that's my nomination. But I, I love the written one. Like, oh, it loves the. I like the written one as well. But I'm not going to go for that because a few of the chat have rebelled. Lee, alcoholic Frotch said it has to be uh, Bunsey, and Curly Watts said Jake Wood doesn't deserve a boxing award, Aussie. So I'm going to go for Bunsey uh, based on the back of that. Rob has gone, I believe, for AJ and the AJ video. What are you going for? Difficult one, this mm. really. One. It's, a, it's a good week, isn't it? It's a strong week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Max Brannan, uh, Jake Ward. I mean, he must be trolling on that. He, he must be. Like, of all the fucking fighters you can pick in who have boxed and never won a world title, he picks Lewis Ritson. <sighs> Just ludicrous. Uh, Bunsey again. I mean, what what what's he trying to achieve? Having a go at people for the uh, for the pay per view, saying that about how, how they should feel about fighters dying, and uh, and that Tom Gray as well. Like, what what's he trying to achieve? Another ringside seat at the next Joshua fight because he thinks Andy Ruiz should uh, play tea parties and give uh, Matrim all the A side and go to uh, the UK again. Uh, I'm going to go with Max Brannan. And that uh, Lewis Ritson show, that is, it's just absurd. Absurd. It's a three-way tie this week. Congratulations, Jake Wood. Fitting also that Bunsey got one. And for AJ as well. Couldn't go on to three nicer guys. We'll give them WBA titles apiece, shall we? And we should also finish it up there. Thank you to everybody in the chat who's kept with us this far. Thank you to everybody who's listening throughout the week. Uh, oh, Curly Watts is asking for a Sewell Farrah update. Well, as far as I'm aware, Ozzy, they are running a show next Thursday. And uh, they've got uh, Sowell isn't actually on the bill himself, but this Edmund Talabari, who's had about 80 fights, is fighting a guy who's only had one fight and lost it. So the, the matchmaking is bang up to scratch as usual. Uh, Steve, you are incorrect. Oh, is he fighting the 0 and 6 and 1 guy? Next Saturday, oh. Sowell Farrah is in the, the away. Dream. Is in, he is in the away corner in, in, the, in the Philippines. Entry. Yep, he's in the Enduran tent in the Philippines <laughs> against heavyweight supremo Ronald Johnson, 15-1. and one. 
So, uh, Saul Farrer, like we say, his Operation Cruiserweight has been abandoned and he's uh, fighting Ronald Clyde Johnson, uh, nicknamed the American Dream. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean... You are, you are about... some truth in what I'm saying. Brilliant. The, the Bolivians are, are running a show on Thursday, though, featuring Saul's usual suspects, but I don't think he's involved. Is he is he refereeing or is he matchmaking a star? <laughs> he's he's phoning in from the Philippines. Is he? Yeah. Well, uh, he's skyping it in. He's commentating. Rumours are that he's taken a leaf out of AJ's book and taken a camp, taken up camp out in the Philippines uh, a few weeks in advance. So Saul Farah, the real heavyweight champion in uh, when it comes to boxing. So yeah, hopefully next Sunday we'll have an update and see if. Uh, Farron notches up win number 70. Can I can I just say as well, the pod feels real eerie without Patterson, doesn't it? Like nobody yeah, benching or it's yeah. just weird, like weird vibe with our Andy. So uh fellas have kids, lads, Patreon forward slash boxing yeah. asylum. <laughs> Get on there, give us a fiver. Fellas eat the fight nappies and whatnot. Come on. Uh, yes, Nay keeps in the chat. Uh, I don't know what the episode is where the two scouse boxers, Harry and Callum, were on. I have absolutely no idea, to be honest with you. Smido set that up, by the way. And nothing for something. Yes, I will accept that value of the week. But, like I said, the Bolivians are running a show in Saul's absence. So I'll sort of right, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it anyway. Yeah. Thanks to Andy for coming on in the midst of childbirth. Done a great job there. Also, thanks to Gabe. For joining us, Rob, here till the end, Aussie till the end as well. And special thanks to Dr. Joseph Ajayo. I know a few people moaned about Joseph. He went on a bit, but I mean, you know, we have him on like once every year or so. He's got to indulge him. You've got to let him have his say, haven't you? If you stay humble, then you'll never stumble, says Joseph Ajayo. We shall leave it on that note. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all. Talk about Fury. Talk about War Warrington and whoever else next week. Same time, same place. A bye. Cinebit.